0: Welcome to Second and Short. It is November 23rd, 2022, and we just had one of the most crazy weeks in college football this year.
1: Oh yeah, by far this is what 100% the craziest week of college football I've seen in a while.
0: Yeah. I believe and- there were
1: two top 15 upsets in the SEC. Like not even like like a close game upset, like total blowouts.
0: Yeah, it it was ridiculous. Uh, We'll get started uh, with a couple of the teams that just barely got by. So number three, Michigan beats Illinois 19-17. And everybody said, uh, like a couple of the people that I know they're Michigan fans, I was texting them, I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they're all saying that Michigan's a second-half team, blah, blah, blah. Well, they weren't, and they looked horrible. Uh, Illinois came out of the half, put up 14. Took the four-point lead into the fourth, and then it kind of slowed down from there. Uh, what did you kind of take away from this game for Michigan?
1: I mean, they they just didn't look good at all, and it's uh, and I know I've said it before. Everybody has their, their bad games, or just no one performs well, but they kind of had it all uh perfect form. It was a home game. I mean, it was midday. The weather should have been warming up for them, but... They just looked. They looked like they'd never really been out on the football field as a team
0: at, at all. Yeah, they they, they just, looked really bad. And part yeah, of that, I just I'm saying that. Yeah, yeah, and and part of that is due to a couple of the injuries for Michigan. Obviously, Blake Coram goes out. Um, I think it was like at the end of the second quarter. But um, Illinois' defense did play really well. And they forced J.J. McCarthy to get into a position where he had to throw the ball for the first time this season, and it just didn't seem like it went very well. Um, His stats didn't look great, and I think that we've talked about it multiple times, I think on every episode, we've brought up a different team where it's like, you can't win when you're one-dimensional. And I think this kind of proved, you know, it it was kind of up in the air because we hadn't seen J.J. McCarthy have to throw. Now that we have, it looks like Michigan is simply just defense and running the ball. And when, you know, a a Heisman favorite, or at least a top three Heisman guy, leaves the game, it definitely threw a wrench in their game.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I know I've said this most every time we talk, it's, you can't rely on one player to be your entire team, and that is obviously something they ran into this weekend. Like you said, they're just a defensive and running team, and, I mean, that's very one-dimensional. You, uh, again, to reiterate, you cannot be a one-dimensional team. You need to be very – you need to be very diverse. Not very diverse, but you need to be diverse. If you, Yeah, like you got to be – like, yeah, you can run – you can be a, a dominant run team, yes, but when you need to pass the ball, you got to be able to pass the ball
0: they didn't have Donovan Edwards this week. So you're missing uh, like easily um, a, a top 10, maybe top 15 running back in the nation. But obviously you still had Blake Corum for most of the game. He still got 108 rushing yards, which is crazy since he didn't play the whole second half, but you go into the second half and you know that you don't have Blake Corum. You haven't had Donovan Edwards all game. And it looked like Harbaugh hardball had no idea what to do from there. Like, they went to halftime, and he was just like, um, "I don't know what we're doing. We can't just give the ball to Blake Corum."
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what what happened, but I'm just gonna say again, they just just look so bad. They just, I I don't know what was in their mind, what's going on through his mind, and hopefully that's this is something they can learn from this upcoming week at practice. I mean, they have what is it, five six days to from uh, the last game to get ready for Ohio State, which is going to be really their only challenge of the year.
0: Yeah. When you look
1: at it. So we'll see uh, if they were able to.
0: Yeah. And and I think that this kind of shows us uh, a little bit more of what we're going to see between Michigan and Ohio State this coming weekend. Uh, But we can talk about that a little bit more when we talk about Ohio State's results, which uh, looked a little bit better than they probably should have been. But, um, We'll move on to number four, TCU, just barely squeaking it out against Baylor, 29-28, another game that ended with a game-winning field goal, and I think if you just looked at the box score, then you would have thought that Baylor blew them out of the water. Uh, Baylor looked really good numbers-wise, but Max Duggan really kept TCU in this game, especially because they couldn't really establish the run game, and that has been a, a pretty important part of their offense
1: this year. Yeah. Go uh, off uh, what you were saying about if you just look at the numbers. There are a couple games this weekend. If you just look at the numbers, you know, a lot of these games that looked to be basically blowout uh, upsets should have been a lot closer by if you just look at the numbers. But I don't know what, it, what was in the – there must have been a full moon out or something. But uh, a lot of teams looked really bad. But to get your, to your point on um, TCU and Baylor, I agree. Uh, Baylor looked. Baylor looked like the better team that game, and unfortunately they couldn't pull it out in the end. But, I mean, it was a great game, but I don't know. When it comes to TCU, I think – I'm not going to say they're frauds because they do deserve to be where they're at. No one else this season has been as good as them uh, in that conference, and they've been having a great season, a good record and all, some great wins. But this just goes to show that, like, they're really not – a a top four program, in my opinion. Like, yeah, they should be there in a, as opposed to other teams, but like, you know, when, but, but when you look at teams like Georgia, they're just so far, they're so far ahead. I don't know what they're going to do.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and I think it's important for the people to understand because a lot of people are like, oh, how does TCU make it in? They don't play in a hard conference like Tennessee, which we'll get to later, but, um, And the argument makes no sense because they don't realize or they just don't want to that the college football playoff and the AP poll, both of them, you're graded on your results. It doesn't matter who you played. Obviously, you know, if you're a group of five school like um, like, you know, Cincinnati was kind of pushed out and like Coastal Carolina teams and US UCF teams in the past couple of years, they've kind of got pushed out. If you play in the power five and you're undefeated, especially after week 12, you obviously deserve to be there. So all the Tennessee fans before this weekend that were coming out here and saying like, oh, we're better than TCU, we would beat them. Okay, well, you don't get to play them. And you got to prove it against everybody else. It doesn't matter what stage you play on. TCU, if they're undefeated, they stay in the top four. And that goes for any other team in the Power Five.
1: No, I fully agree. I mean, uh, to, to your point of if you're in the Power Five, uh, you have a better shot than a Group of Five team, and that's because the Power Five schools, they're going to have the better recruits, the better talents, because they are a Power Five program. They have more money. They have more – you know, it's easier for them to get these players because they have more resources for the players. And, more, and the better talent wants to go to somewhere where they have more resources to go to the NFL and the next level. So I agree with you. It is not – on a whole food play right now we win whatever it it, it, I mean when you look the ranking or the ranking committee it's always been your record and it doesn't and just in the top four the only time your strength of schedule comes in or anything like that is when they're ranking the top four
0: yeah exactly and and you know people would look at the actual strength of schedule numbers and say oh well Michigan's got They're the only team, you know, outside of the top like 90 teams or top 100 teams in strength of schedule. But you still got to factor in that the college football playoff committee understands exactly what all of us understand. And it's that the Big 12 is in that lower half of the conferences in the Power Five. Obviously, uh, well, I'd actually say they're three because I don't think the Pac-12 is quite as competitive as the Big 12. The Big 12 just looks worse because the defenses are never great. And they kind of eat each other up. So uh, I'd say that all of the playoff committee people, they they see that Ohio State, they see a a Michigan team that they're both undefeated. Obviously, they're going to play each other this week. And it'll probably end with TCU moving up to three and whoever loses just dropping Mm -hmm. in four because I don't see them. Dropping out of the top four, unless like one of the teams just really runs away with it. I'm interested to see what TCU does for the remainder of the season. Obviously, they've got this uh, this coming week's game, and then you have you have the Big Twelve Championship, and then uh, most likely the College Football Playoff. And, I, and I'm interested to see how TCU looks when they play teams outside of their conference.
1: I am very interested to see. I have to. I am very interested to see that because. As you know, we said their conference is not as you know stacked like most of these other conferences.
0: So we'll move on to number five, Tennessee, and they they lost to South Carolina, sixty three to thirty eight. And as a, a a South Carolina fan that I know said, uh, "This is a skull fucking." South Carolina came out here and just beat the living shit out of Tennessee, and. and like my first question is just like what happened to Tennessee? Like what did they do wrong?
1: Oh, uh, they one hundred percent underestimated South Carolina. They thought they were coming in all high and mighty. You know, number five in the country. No, you know, we held. We Georgia only beat us by two touchdowns. Whatever it was, you know, we're this great team. No one can beat. No one else in the SEC East even stands a chance. So they walked in there thinking South Carolina wasn't going to play hard against them. And South Carolina said, hey, we want to make a point tonight. And, I mean, that's, you know, some places they said, you know, we're, we're going to prove to the nation we're a good team and we, want, we deserve to be up here with them.
0: Yeah, and, and then I think, you know, the biggest question on both sides of this is, like, how do either of these teams have a game like this? Like, South Carolina has not done this. Their second highest point scored this year was against Charlotte. Yeah. Like, this is their now, highest scoring game of the year. And it's against the number five team in the nation.
1: I mean, uh, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about some teams just having a really bad game. Some teams have a, just randomly have a really good game. And I have to say this for South Carolina. They've had a lot of, you know, most of their wins this year, they have played way beyond what I thought they were capable of. And they looked like a, like a top 25 team. And then the next game, they'll go out and play Missouri or someone and look like they've never p- touched the football before. Yeah, I, and I think it's just an immaturity thing there. They have a lot of young players still, and I don't and I still think Spencer Rattler is too cocky for his own good. So, I think and once all that gets settled down, they'll they'll be a good team, but I do not believe they'll be like a championship contending team.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I think especially this game is kind of going to give South Carolina fans a, a bit of false hope about you know what they're gonna do in this this Shane Beamer era, if you want to call it that, because uh, I do think he'll be there for a little while. But now th- this isn't a, a full reflection of what you guys are gonna look like for the years to come. Obviously, Spencer Rattler uh, looked amazing. Absolutely pulled this performance out of his ass. Like thirty for thirty-seven, four hundred and thirty-eight yards and six passing touchdowns. Like you're you're never gonna find that. Ever again from Spencer Rattler.
1: Yeah, that's that's like a, that game was a Heisman moment for him. I don't know where that came from, but I mean, with him, uh, as you know, he's the most like he's either. I mean, this goes back to what they used to say to some like oldest quarterback. So yeah, a good bow or bad bow, you know? and I think it goes to say with Spencer Rattler, you have know, you good Spencer Rattler or bad Spencer Rattler, where he is on and has a game like today. Where he, or sorry, like Saturday, where he went, like you said, thirty for thirty-eight, and then the next game, you know, he'll come out and go five for forty-four, and you know, it, it, with him, you either get he's either going to be good for you or he's going to be bad for you.
0: Yeah, and then you know, on the other side of the field, the big question is, how did Tennessee look this bad against South Carolina? And and I think it kind of starts with the defense. You know, all season the defense has been really good. The only team that was even close to scoring this many points on Tennessee so far this year was Alabama, and Tennessee still won. So I don't understand how this defense looked so bad.
1: I I, I mean, there's so many ways we can speculate here saying that they were, you know, they underestimated them. They were getting prepared practice, you know, they played around, whatever. But I think it kind of just comes down to the simple fact of. South Carolina wanted, to, wanted it more, and South Carolina decided, you know, they wanted they, they wanted to win. So they went the extra mile. Yeah, it was a cold, cold night. Tennessee, I'm sure, was probably packed indoors or something, not ready for a, a cold night there in South Carolina. And they were just saying they're going to steamroll them, and just overlooked them. I think it's that simple. You just – mentally they weren't there, and when South Carolina fought back, they got caught and they uh, and on the sidelines they were just so shot they were just kind of just gave in
0: yeah and then you know it gets down into the later parts of the game and then early in the fourth quarter Hendon Hooker goes down after the game comes out Tori his ACL but Joe Milton comes into the game who's still a good quarterback he was the starter at the beginning of last year before he got hurt and Hendon took his job but even if they had Hendon in that fourth quarter, they were not going to outscore the 63 points that South Carolina put up.
1: Yeah, I don't think there was too much they were going to be able to do there. Just because South Carolina, there was so much energy with them and they were, they were in the game. And I think that they dug themselves a hole going into the uh, second and half. And I think they, they, they were just, just kind of gave up when they went in at halftime just because they weren't ready for what was coming. When they came out, you know, like to reiterate, um, they were just coming out to. They thought they were going to just steamroll, and when you get shocked like that, it's hard to readjust and get your mind right. They were just so flustered.
0: Yeah, and and I think that after what happened this week, Josh Heupel better get those boys ready for uh this Vandy game because Vandy has looked very good these last couple of weeks. So I. Yeah. I if you underestimated South Carolina, you better not underestimate Vandy.
1: Well, and now they're playing at Vanderbilt, which, don't get me wrong, Vanderbilt does not have a have – the, they don't tend to have the best crowds And yes, you see, I'll put it that way. So it's not like they're going to an intimidating environment, but it's still on the road. I mean, they're – because home field advantage, even if you have a good crowd or a bad crowd, it's still a, it's still a thing.
0: Yeah, but and then I again – Oh, go ahead. It is Vanderbilt. No,
1: I, I agree. It, it is Vanderbilt. But what I was gonna say is just, you know, you're playing on the road. You gotta, you gotta fly out Friday or drive out, whatever they do. You gotta be away from what you're used to and comfortable with. and Have to go adapt somewhere else. So, and always, it's nice to have a home crowd behind you. So we'll see what they can do there. But I think Vanderbilt's gonna keep. I hope for Vanderbilt they can keep it close. Now, we'll see what they did this week at practice. I bet. Josh Happel really got onto them and they are looking for a, to have a, a tough game against Vanderbilt, not a tough game, but like they're looking to get to be like, Hey, last week was a fluke. This, this is what we really are. I think that's what they're looking for this weekend.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and even going to Vanderbilt, uh, I got a feeling that at least 50% of those fans are still going to be Tennessee fans. So they don't really have to worry all about that. Uh, but we can move on to um, one of the big ranked versus ranked matchups. Uh, number seven, USC, beating number 16, UCLA, in that LA rivalry. That was an
1: exciting game.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and so, USC wins it 48 45. And, like, my first note, it, it, this is just the epitome of a Pac 12 matchup. Yeah.
1: Like, and, um, before, I mean, say so that, yeah, there's been a lot of high scoring SEC games this year. But that one to me just – it just looked – not a single point did either defense really look like they were they showed up.
0: <laughs> yeah, like UCLA and USC both this season um, have consistently just given up points. Uh, uh, both of them just been fortunate enough that their offenses work very well. And I I think really the only big thing that comes out of this game is the question of is Caleb Williams – the Heisman favorite. Now he had an insanely good game. I, I want to say it was like over 550 total yards for him. And like, that is ridiculous. So to come out like that, knowing that, you know, Hendon Hooker just got hurt. So his Heisman candidacy is pretty much done. Um, CJ Stroud obviously looks good. He's probably still the, uh, the odds favorite and then Blake Corum goes down with an injury, and and all of a sudden, Caleb Williams has just shot up everybody's charts. And I kind of think he has the edge over CJ only because he's had great performances week in and week out.
1: I have to agree. He consistently looks better. And what this is going to show who gets the Heisman is, do they value consistency or do they value the – Having those big games, much like um, CJ has had. Because if they got a consistency, I would probably go lean towards more Caleb Williams there because, like you said, he's been very consistent week in and week out. And like you, what you said with CJ, he does not, to me, I mean, he's had a couple bad games. And I think, um, to me, I, I, I think consistency makes you the player you are. I mean, you got to be consistent. So. But, um, you know, Heisman voting always, you
0: know, we usually never know. Yeah, we've kind of been spoiled the last couple of years because um, the Heisman winner has typically been on, you know, Alabama or any of those like top contending teams. But, you know, UCLA is, or sorry, USC is definitely still up there as a contender. And um, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if the Heisman voters kind of start to favor Caleb Williams a little bit more. I know that the uh, the East Coast and kind of central bias comes in a lot with the Heisman because, you know, even though it is their job to watch all of the college football games and see how all the players do, uh, all the voters on the East Coast don't want to watch late-night games of USC versus, like, Colorado. So that bias is still going to be there, but I think there will be enough voters that – that really believe that Caleb Williams was the best player this season, that he, he'll he probably run away with it.
1: I agree. I mean, he – I hate to sound like a broken record here, but he just has a, the most consistent of most every player we've watched this year.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and we'll move on to uh, a team that's led by somebody who is not quite as consistent gonna be Bo Nix over there at uh, number twelve, Oregon. Uh, they beat number ten Utah twenty to seventeen, and this game is kind of like the opposite of USC UCLA. Obviously, it's still a uh, you know a three point difference in the game, but like no points were being scored this entire game, and there's not too much to talk about from it. Obviously, Utah is a tough team. Uh, like they beat um, USC earlier this year. Like, they know how to win, especially in situations where they have to. But they move up into the top ten, and immediately they just get knocked right back down. But you can't really discount Oregon here. Obviously, Bo Nix still had a pretty good game. Um, but, yeah, Utah just looked really bad.
1: Yeah, Utah just did not really look like a complete team. Um, I mean, yeah, I have to agree there's really not too much to say here, but – this just goes to show it's just going to be what Oregon versus USC in Pac-12 now championship.
0: Yeah, and and now it kind of looks like that game could have huge playoff implications for USC because um, you know if they look extremely <laughs> dominant and one of the teams in that Michigan Ohio State game kind of loses it a little bit, USC could hop right in there and and steal that fourth spot.
1: Yeah, uh, I have to agree. I mean. You look at it. Who would you rather have a championship? Uh, sorry, a conference champion team with the same record, or a team that is not a conference champion team? You know, what would you rather have there? And I, I think just because they want a conference championship, same record, you'd have to put the conference championship team in. So that uh, Pac-12 championship game will have huge implications for uh, the playoffs when it comes.
0: Yeah, and, and I think it was also important for Oregon to get this win because you know they knew that if they won, they're most likely into the Pac-12 championship. Uh, obviously, you can't discount Oregon State because they're kind of they're they're coming back uh, from a, a rough start to the season, and uh, I'm pretty sure they they got into the top 25. But getting this win against Utah puts them back on track from that that tough loss last week to Washington, who you know Oregon should have beat. But, you know, in traditional Pac-12 fashion, uh, they just eat each other up. So uh, there's not much more to say about that one. So we move on to uh, one of the unranked um, upsets coming from the ACC. Georgia Tech beats number 13, North Carolina, 21-17. And I just, like, all I can think is, like, what the hell was UNC doing?
1: No clue. I was, this was not even on my radar by any stretch of the imagination, Georgia Tech beating a top-15 team, like, who would have thought?
0: Yeah. Um, they'll no, go ahead. It's crazy. Like, Drake May has looked really good all season. And then you come up and you're like, oh, you know, second to last week of the season. We're going up against Georgia Tech. They fired their coach earlier this season. They got rid of their – uh, athletic director. Like, there's been a ton of changes. We're not going to lose. And then Drake May just looks awful. He couldn't throw. He couldn't run. And that doesn't tend to be a, a, a successful way to play when you're known as a dual-threat quarterback.
1: I agree. For me, I mean, North Carolina, they've kind of been iffy this year and last year as well. I still like them as a team. I still think they're a good team. They have a great, one of the greatest coaches I mean, easily a top 15 coach, top 15, top 20 coach of all time. And Florida um, State At the helm. Yeah. Had to do that He played that under there. Bowden, didn't
0: he? I, I think he there might have he been little, before Bobby. Max getting up there. About,
1: I think he's like five. I think he, I think I looked it up the other day. He was like five or 10 years right, uh, before Bobby. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, this Georgia Tech team went into North Carolina and just, I mean, it, they didn't. Beat, beat the brakes off them, but I mean, that second half came around, North Carolina came out flat, and Georgia Tech proved that they want. I mean, it goes back to what I was saying uh, for South Carolina, Georgia Tech wanted it more, much like South Carolina. They wanted to prove something like, hey, you know, everybody's down. us. no one thinks we're going to win. I'm sure the spread was, you know, ridiculous, and I so, said, hey, I mean, that was a great game by the really They really showed up in that second half. Uh, Who does Georgia Tech have as their uh, interim head coach
0: right now? Do you know? I can't think of the name right now. Uh, I'll look it up. But in the meantime, I do want to bring up, um, you know, Georgia Tech kind of just did what they needed to to win. And that was it. You know, they didn't go above and beyond. They they won it by four points. And they really just, you know, they, they capitalized on a couple of the mistakes by UNC. But, you know, it it still didn't wow me. Like, Georgia Tech should be putting up 21 on UNC. It's more just that the defense played well, and it just happened to line up with UNC's offense just playing horrible.
1: Yeah, I was was about to go back to that to say something I said earlier. It comes down to, you know, I'm sure North Carolina, like you said, they you know, you're going into this game, you're about to play. Who do they play for uh, this upcoming weekend?
0: Who's that? Uh, UNC? Yeah. Uh I'm not sure. I will Oh, they play N C State. Yeah, rivalry week. Yeah,
1: so they're going into a I mean, a pretty big rivalry game for them. I mean pretty big implications of what bowl you know, the, the what type of bowl they're going to if they're going to a possible New Year's Six or you know, a top bowl game or if you know they're going to a middle middle of the road bowl game with this game against N C State. So I'm sure they were already looking ahead to next week, trying to get that Get ready for rivalry week, just not even paying any attention to Georgia Tech. Georgia yeah. Tech,
0: you know, a lot of teams do that. A, more. a lot of teams do that coming into this week before rivalry week, where they just kind of sleep on whoever they're playing. A lot of times it's a, a bit of a cupcake some weeks. And, um, yeah, Georgia Tech just came in and, you know, did their job. And also to answer your question from earlier, it is Brent Key, the assistant coach, is the interim head coach. Uh, but we will get into uh, something that I'm sure you don't want to talk about, which is Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas beats number 14 Ole Miss, 42-27. Oh and uh, I-, I just want to get, you know, maybe a, a one or two minute recap from you because I know you could go all night about this.
1: Well, start off, I was at the game, so it just made that even worse. Made the steam even worse because it was about 19 degrees, I believe. I think they said it was 25 at kickoff. And by halftime, we were down to about 19, 20 degrees. And that's what I got to do. I mean, I hate. I have never loved a football game. But I think we're going in halftime. It was about 28 to 6. And we just threw another pick or something. And I said, I got I was like, I'm cold, I'm freezing, I'm in 12 layers, and I still can't feel my feet and legs.
0: And I had to get out of there.
1: I, I don't even know what to say about the game. Because if you look at it statistically, I'm pretty sure we put up just about six, 700 yards of offense, and we were only able to score uh, 27 points, I believe. How did yeah. we do
0: that? Yeah, no, like the offenses looked good on both sides. Like you both were running the shit out of the ball. Like – I don't really understand it. It it looked like the only difference was that y'all were kicking field goals and Arkansas was getting touchdowns. It just seemed like Arkansas was able to get it done on you guys' side of the field, and and y'all just weren't. You you kept stopping it a little bit too early, and uh, they got the key stops. That's that's where it mattered is they got the key stops when they needed to, and, and that's the only reason they were able to kind of run away with it.
1: Yeah, something uh, that really hasn't been talked about too much this year is that Arkansas defense has been a great – has been a very great uh, defense this year. But they just, you know, till this week, they were not able to get those key stops against uh, the teams. And then this week, I mean, they, they were ready. I mean, they came out. I believe we fumbled – for our first drive, we fumbled. They recovered, and they went in and scored a touchdown. And then I believe, like, second or third drive, maybe fourth drive, we didn't throw a pick or or have another – or turn it over on downs or something. How do you do that? I mean – Yeah,
0: it it was a tough one. Also, the the turnovers were another problem for you guys. Uh, Jackson threw one interception. He also fumbled. Quinch on Judkins lost a fumble. So the the turnovers hurt you a little bit. But, like, yeah, if you would have just showed me, even just showing me, like, Ole Miss's rushing yards, Arkansas's rushing yards, and you showed me that Quinshawn Judkins had 214 and Zach Evans had 207 rushing yards, I'd have probably told you that Ole Miss won, like, 40 to 17.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just... It was such a good rushing game. There was no... I mean, there was some good uh, – KJ Justin, I mean, he looked great. Most everything he did that game was, was great. He,
0: he just – he was very
1: much locked in. Um, Jackson Darden, on the other hand, has not looked too well in the past few weeks, and I, I don't know if it's because, you know, he's still young, has a lot of maturing to do, but or what it is. But I have to agree, I mean, if you look at that, if you look at just the box score, you're going, oh, wow. As a hell of a, I mean that was another shootout like last year, what was the final score fifty two to fifty one again or and then you look you go, wow,
0: yeah, and but, you guys uh, really only made it as close as it was because you put twenty one up in the fourth quarter, or else uh, you guys would have lost forty two to six but yeah, I don't I, know
1: what happened at the end uh, the end of, like we decided not to play three quarters of football, then the fourth quarter said, hey, let's score some. And, I mean, no one took for both sides. Both teams had their ones in the whole game. At no point did anybody have their twos in. So I mean, it was a four-four. And all Miss started to look, get get it all together, but ran out of time because they waited to the very end to get it all together.
0: Yeah, it, it was tough, and, and you gotta you gotta give props to Arkansas. They they did exactly what we've talked about before, which is they used the run to set up the pass. Like KJ Jefferson. He only had 168 yards in the air, but he had three passing touchdowns. Raheem Sanders got them to the red zone just about every time, and yeah, you know yeah. he had 24 carries, 232 yards, and obviously he you know finished the job a couple times himself. But um, yeah, they they did exactly what they needed to. They put up their points, and then they just got the hell out.
1: Yeah, and I think this goes back to. You know, again, not sound like a broken record, but back to what I was speaking talking about earlier. The you know, looking past this team, oh, we're gonna be able to beat this team. They haven't looked; they're not as good as they were last year. You know, there's that and the other. We really got to look forward to Mississippi State next week. And you know, there was a lot of rumors circulating in the coach of co- possible coaching changes. And I think you know the players were just didn't. It almost felt like they just didn't want to play the game. I mean, no one they just looked confused most of the game. It was just it just did not look good at all.
0: Yeah, well well I'll stop torturing you and we'll we'll move on to a couple of the other notable outcomes that, you know, don't really change much, but uh Navy upsets number twenty UCF, uh seventeen fourteen. Navy. It's always nice to see the uh, the service schools uh, doing well in college football.
1: Oh yeah, I mean you know, I've always I've been a big Navy fan for a while. And it's – I love – I love watching them do good. Just because I, I really like the head coach, Kenny Amantelow. He's a great guy. He's been there forever. I mean, he had a really close game against uh, Notre Dame last week. Finally able to beat another ranked team this week with UCF. On the road, too, down there. I mean, they just looked – they looked like how Navy's supposed to look. Nice, long drives. Nice, long drives running the football. Down their throat and just you know basically dominating,
0: yeah. Yeah, Navy looked really good. Uh, we'll move on to another team that actually su- surprisingly looked pretty good, which is uh, Oklahoma. They beat number 22 Oklahoma State. And I will say, Bedlam is is, is always a good game, these two teams have been like up there in the rankings the last couple of years. Obviously, this year is not the case. Uh, they're both kind of underperforming uh, what we thought we'd see, but still made for a pretty interesting game.
1: Yeah, and to touch on what you were talking about of underperforming, I think Oklahoma State, more than Oklahoma, has definitely underperformed this year. Uh, yeah, They're not facing as much adversity as Oklahoma, uh, as Oklahoma is. They should be—they should be much better than what they are. But Oklahoma really showed up and played that game. It was—it was a great game. It was very, very enjoyable to watch.
0: Yeah, and if if Oklahoma State would have just kind of uh, controlled the turnovers, they'd have probably kicked the hell out of them. But Spencer Sanders, like he—he he attempted sixty-seven passes. Of course, he's going to throw four picks. Like you got to use the run game to set this team up. Uh, Oklahoma State cannot be successful when you run 67 pass plays.
1: Oh yeah, I fully agree. I mean, it's something we always talk about. You got to run the ball instead of the pass. Yeah, it
0: it's it's just ridiculous to see how some of these teams perform. Like, this is a this is a big game every year. At Oklahoma Oklahoma State, and you hate to see one side just just kind of come out and and it looked like They almost weren't even taking it seriously. Like, they almost weren't trying is how it looked. And I know, like, the score doesn't quite reflect that. Uh, 28-13 isn't a a huge difference. But Oklahoma looked really good. Dylan Gabriel had a a pretty good game, not great. Um, Eric Gray had 90 yards on the ground. Uh, Devontae Barnes had 59. And so they just did what they had to to win this game, just like we talked about with Georgia Tech and North Carolina oklahoma did what they needed to and and they got the win and that that's really all you can ask for with this rivalry you know um no matter how close it is uh whoever wins uh normally looks pretty good
1: yeah i fully agree
0: all right so let's just go ahead and look at these cfp rankings uh i haven't given them much of a look um i was a little bit busy when they were coming out but um I did see that Florida State came in at sixteen. So I can't be very mad about them. Um Brock, where'd Ole Miss come in?
1: Ole Miss came in at twenty.
0: Ha. Get fucked.
1: Yeah. At least I, had lose, I had to I had to rub it in your
0: face. Florida State Um Florida State's better than Ole Miss. I don't care what you have to say. Don't care. And
1: that's that's why we're gonna go to a better bowl game than you still
0: though. <laughs> Whatever. See you, Citrus Bowl, boy. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll start from twenty-five, and we'll we'll get to our teams. But twenty-five, Louisville, I got no Shocker. problem with it. They, like they haven't looked bad. They haven't looked good. Twenty-five is fine. Yeah, they've had a couple of good wins. Um, I'll give them that. Uh, Cincinnati coming in at twenty-four. We say it every week. Put the group of five schools wherever you want. Nobody cares. Uh, twenty-three, Texas. Uh, a tough one. It's tough for Texas to see themselves in this spot. Um, obviously, they played a super re- close game with TCU, but yeah, this this mm-hmm. past week didn't quite go their way.
1: I would rather see Cincinnati at twenty three and Texas at twenty four, just because Cincinnati's been ranked and Texas has been you know in and out of the polls. Just keep them keep Texas and Louisville, but since they're both you know coming from non ranked, they should be twenty four and twenty five. In my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I just realized that I said that. This past week didn't go their way, and I'm, I'm realizing that I don't even know who they played.
1: <laughs> did they play?
0: I, I really don't know. I, I thought they did. Maybe not. Uh, Wait. I think I'm stupid. I don't know what's going on.
1: There was so much in the college football world this weekend. It is just everything's throwing me off.
0: I know. I, I just can't keep up.
1: Yeah, I mean this this year has been. I mean, we say it every okay, year, yeah, every year's is crazy.
0: Texas did play, but, um, and somehow they're still at twenty two after they beat Kansas fifty four to fourteen or fifty five fourteen. So it, it did go their way. Um, they just didn't really. They're not really where they should be. Seven and four. I feel like Texas should be a little bit higher.
1: Yeah, um, I think, but Texas is a. I think they're going to be a good team. They're going to keep being good recruits. But something that is – obviously, with the exception of TCU, is when you look at Texas teams, especially the really big ones like Texas and Texas A&M, if you run into the boosters and alumni trying to control the football team and not the coaches. Because once you yeah. let that happen, you end up like Jimbo Fisher – yeah, he had the number one recruiting class, but look at this. They're not even bowl eligible this year because the boosters and all them are trying are making him get players that don't fit his system.
0: Yeah, and I'll I'll give Texas and Sarkeesian the benefit of the doubt this year. Look, they've had some some great performances throughout the year, and there's definitely some, some highlights here and there. But uh, you know, you have a first year starter with Quinn Ewers, um, who you know, by age or by uh, when he was supposed to graduate high school as a true freshman. um, But, it, you know, you can tell that he's not quite ready. And, like, it, it just – I don't even need to watch because, um, you know, the box score tells the story of Quinn Ewers. You know, you can see that he's getting pressured a lot in the game, and that translates um in, in his statistics. A 12 for 21 – 107 passing yards, one touchdown. Like, nothing there just jumps off the screen at you. And he really hasn't had, like, some crazy good game. You know, we see it from just about every quarterback on a top 25 team. Comes out, has at least one great performance throughout the year. Obviously, Bijan robinson Robinson uh, was doing most of the work there for Texas this past week. But you put up 55 points, and your quarterback still did nothing. It kind of shows that Sarkeesian knows that Quinn Ewers is not ready.
1: Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, he Quinn Ewers is definitely the best option they have right now, but something that we, I've said about a lot of quarterbacks this year is, I think people forget they expect you, you know, when you're a five star, whatever prospect, you know, top prospect, you're expected to come in and be a fifth year quarterback. That's been through everything before. No, when you're, I mean, like you said, he's basically a true freshman. He didn't play at all at Ohio state. He didn't get a single down. So this is his first year of real college football. And he's got a lot of learning and a lot of maturing to do. I mean, it takes two to three years to fully develop. Some quarterbacks, it take, takes up to four to five years, you know. So we, I think with him, is he's going to be a good quarterback. He could, I, he's going to be – with what I see this year, he'll be a good, solid quarterback. But what we need to see next year – is he next year, he really needs to start picking up his game. You know, he needs to start doing a little more making those plays, getting, you know, having some bigger games and what he's having. And again, that comes with maturity and time.
0: Yeah, for sure. And next year is going to be a big tell of, you know, how successful can Texas be with Quinn yours at the helm with a year of experience and they're going to lose Bijan John Robinson to the NFL. So it, I'm interested to see how Quinn Ewers can run that offense and, and how Sarkeesian looks to uh, maybe switch some things up and and change some things around after losing such a great running back. Uh, we'll move on to number 22 UCF. Uh, I'm kind of surprised to still see them up here. Um, you know, I I've continuously said that uh, you can put a group of five school in the in the 20 to 25 range and nobody cares, but they were number twenty last week. They lose to an unranked team, and Which they're is like still in the four top twenty-five. Five. Yeah, yeah, a four and a four and four and six Navy team, you lose to, and you still are ranked. It, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, that, that's a really crazy one there. But um, some, I I wish I I wish I've, I they don't they really don't even explain it in the show how the picking how like you know, I wish I could go into the room and hear the explanation of the committee and why they put them there. But, I mean, hey, good for them. They're ranked still. I, I wouldn't have them ranked personally, but, hey, good for them.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. Uh, but there is a team that it, it, they seem to just keep moving up a little bit more and more, and that's Oregon State. Um, they've started to look really good in these last couple weeks uh, going into rivalry week. they got to face a, a, a tough Oregon team. But... um. What they've done so far this season is pretty respectable. Uh I haven't caught a lot of their games, but they've looked pretty good. Uh obviously, you know, they're they're 8 and 3. They're fifth in the Pac-12 right now. So, um the loss to USC and Utah is kind of expected for this Oregon State team. Lost to Washington, an- another pretty good team in the Pac-12. But they're going to keep sneaking up and and I think that Oregon really needs to be uh looking out for Oregon State come next Saturday.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be a really good game. Um, that's a game I, I really hope I can watch. But, you know, it's probably going to be at 1230 hour time. So <laughs> um, I, I think Oregon's going to prevail. But I think it's going to be a really good game to watch. And I have to agree with you. I really like that they're kind of creeping up. This is, uh, if I recall correctly, they've been like what? Like a three, four, maybe five win seat team for the last like fifteen years. Like they've had a of couple of
0: seasons where they've played pretty well, but uh, for the most part, they're normally very middle of the pack. Uh, no pun intended.
1: Huh. Yeah, like I don't really they don't really see I don't really you know see or hear them so too much, and it's I I always love seeing a new team in the top twenty five. Someone not really used to you know, and you get to talk about like. You know, for, for example, you know, Oregon State this year, North Carolina in the last few years being up there, Florida State again and finally again being good again. I love talking about them. They're a great team, great history. UCLA, um, Kansas State, you know, a lot of these teams that have in the last few years have not really been doing too well. And they're getting ranked again. They're getting good again. And it, it, that's what gives college football all the competition. That's what makes it so great.
0: And that's what I love to see. Yeah, and then uh, we'll move to something that I know you don't love to see. We'll Miss at number 20. Uh, we had just said it a, a few minutes ago. But um, I personally think this is right where they should be. Uh, it's been a tough couple of weeks. Uh, you could argue that they're better than Tulane and it should be above them. But, you know, they, they just have not looked very good these last couple of weeks. Um,
1: I'll say if against Alabama – they, they looked very good against Alabama. They, they had a few slip-ups, a few mistakes. But, I mean, they looked really good. So when they just dropped it, I believe last week they only dropped three or four spots. which was respectable. Um, you know, coming into this week, you know, probably, they dropped only a few spots. Expecting them to, you know, hopefully to kick back, get back into, you know, back into gear for what they are supposed to be and win against Arkansas. And, you know, they didn't bounce back well. And I think that comes when you see a team that is very young, like they are. I mean, their starter is second year. He this is his first year starting, with only coming up from a transfer of only you know only playing three games. Their quarter Sorry, the running back is a true freshman. Yeah, they have some experience. They, they do have some experience on the team, but a lot of the very important positions are either new starters freshmen, young guys, and, you know, they're, they're one of those three, and they still have a lot to learn and a lot to, to do before they become a great team. So I think Ole Miss fans should not, be get, should not get too worried about what's going on. Lane knows what he's doing. He's building this up. He's using the transfer portal, but along with the transfer portal, he's getting a ton of recruits. He, I believe his recruiting class right now has like 15 recruits and eight, eight or nine of them are four-star athletes that fit, the, fit what he's trying to do here. And a lot of defensive players, because there's a lot of work that needs to be done, not only on the defense, as well as the offense. So I think there's a very bright future coming there. And the only issue Ole Miss has to worry about and Ole Miss fans is – You know, every year because he's Lane Kiffin, people are going to say he's going to take that, take whatever head coaching jobs out there, and that's something that they need to. A lot of the fans need to realize he's most likely not going to leave to go anywhere else because wherever he goes, he's going to have to completely rebuild again. And he's already doing that here. Why would he want to leave in the middle of a rebuild to go start another rebuild? That doesn't make any sense.
0: I will say, uh, I love that every single week. I get to see the picture of him standing in the hallway. Um, I love that picture so much. <laughs> it's, but, a, uh, it's a great picture. <laughs> we'll move on to nineteen uh, Tulane, and you know what? Tulane. Now that they're inside of the top twenty, we got to take them seriously. They're they're good. They're nine and two. Obviously, group of five. Whatever you can say, whatever you want. Um, the only thing that kind of pushes me away from saying that they're, you know, worthy of being number 19 is that the one of the two losses they've had this year is to the only unranked team that they've played. So, or sorry, to the only ranked team they've played, which is UCF, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, they get, they had an impressive win against SMU, but I don't really understand why we're Fully taking this two lane team seriously just because uh, we keep talking about strength of schedule. And obviously, you know, a group of five school can't do anything about that. Uh, They don't fully control who they're playing uh, week in and week out. But um, they've done what they can with uh, what's been given to them and they're doing a great job.
1: Oh, yeah. I fully agree with that. Uh, I mean, Willie Fritz down there, he's done a great job bringing that team from, I believe, a few years ago they're like you know they had a couple of bad seasons and he's brought them back to now being uh, like you said number 19 in the country they're looking pretty good but I think what it is is every year you got to have you got to have that one group of five team you know every year there's there's always that one you know that for a while was UCF um last year it was Cincinnati and this year it's uh, I, I mean I believe it's gonna be Tulane but um you know, it's you got to have that one power, group of five school. Just like, oh yeah, we we care about them. You know.
0: Yeah. Um, there's not much more I could say about Tulane, so we'll go ahead and move on to number eighteen, UCLA. Um, once again, right where they should be. Uh, obviously, they get the loss, so it kind of pushes a couple teams over them. Um, but they they're still good, uh, even at eighteen. I do like this UCLA team. Uh, I think Chip Kelly's done a great job there, and I think he'll continue to do it. Um, I just I don't think that they're really a, a a desirable place for recruits. You know, now that USC has Lincoln Riley there, he's gonna get a lot more recruits. And obviously, Chip Kelly has been a good recruiter. The problem is, even if you're just recruiting in the Pac-12 area. You're going to lose recruits to USC. You're going to lose recruits to Utah. And you're obviously going to lose recruits to Oregon. So it, it makes it tough for UCLA. Um, but they're doing a great job of what they've got, just like Tulane is.
1: Yeah, I really got to give this to Chip Kelly. Uh, he's been there for a, for a few years now. Quite, uh, I mean, quite a while almost. And <clears throat> there, until this year, really, there, there was nothing. I mean, yeah, I thought... I sure as heck, though, he was, you know, fixing to be on his way out. And this year, he's really turned it around. I mean, obviously, 18-8-3 now. uh, Played a great game against their, uh, you know, crosstown rival. But I do have to agree with you. For them, that is not really a desirable place. I mean, look at their – something that people forget. The reason why the SEC, Ohio State, Michigan, a lot of the Big 12, ACC as well, get all those players is – People like to play in front of fans. So when you see a school like UCLA who plays in one of the most historic, you know, beautiful stadiums in the nation, and they can barely get five thousand people there, you know, do you want to go there to play? Like, you know, it, it runs into one of those things, you know, why go to UCLA and play in front of 5,000 people where I can go, you know, literally five miles over there and go to USC and play in front of a hundred thousand people or, you know, why go all the way out to California and play at UCLA? You know, if I'm from Texas when, and play in front of 5,000 people, when I, you know, go to a group of five school here in Texas, like an SMU and play in a sold out crowd of 45,000, you know? So I think that's something that they're going to run into. They really, Chip Kelly really needs to start building that fan base back up. I think that's something he's been trying to do and is trying to do. I think that's something he'll get He he'll get back here, but I just don't know if I can ever really see UCLA as a bit, you know, ever really selling out their stadium.
0: And we'll move to uh, number 17, North Carolina. And once again, uh, I feel like North Carolina does kind of need to be right here. Um, uh, the loss to Notre Dame early in the season was tough, but like they just can't win. Uh, a, a wide uh, like by more than like a touchdown like they beat Pitt by um like 18 uh they had a a big game against virginia tech but um they squeezed out a win against Ab state squeezed out a win against georgia state squeezed out a win against miami uh another close one at duke again at wake forest and virginia and it's like Okay, you guys can keep towing the line, and obviously, uh, having Drake May as their quarterback has kind of given him a little more spotlight on this team. but um even even at nine and two, uh I, I do think at seventeen, it makes a little bit more sense just because of of form. Um, you can't play that many close games and just expect to stay where you were. <coughs> yeah,
1: I fully agree. Um, like, like you said, you really cannot be, you know, teetering on that line of like, oh, we might lose every game, you know, whatnot. And something I'll say to them is something said about the Ole Miss team, and I'm sure I'm going to say about many other teams uh, as we go up. They, they do have a lot, they, they had to replace a lot of players, you know, from the, la- the last year's draft, the year before, which took a lot of their really good players and older players. So now they have some younger players in there, and that's, I mean, some, you know, when you're young and inexperienced, you're going to make, you're, you're going to barely get through. But I think I'll get, I'll give them the pass for this year. But next year, if they're still doing this, then I might have to say they, they might be a little fraudulent.
0: We'll move on to number 16, Florida State. The Knowles look so good. I, I don't care. I, I've argued with people about North Carolina. Uh, saying that North Carolina should be higher than Florida State, their only thing is that North Carolina's nine and two, Florida State's eight and three. But Florida State's just beating the brakes off of every team they've faced for the past couple weeks. like it's ridiculous. uh, you've got forty nine seventeen against Louisiana, whatever you win thirty eight three at Syracuse, you win forty five three at Miami, you beat the brakes off of tech. Um, and then obviously before that it was those three straight losses that kind of screwed us. But a, a lot of just impressive showings from it, the defense looks great. Uh, Jared Verse is a, a force to be reckoned with on that defensive line. And then Jordan Travis at quarterback looks amazing. The run game is ridiculous with Toa Feely and Ward and Benson. And like this offense looks amazing. I, I genuinely think that um, they'll make it into a pretty good bowl game. Uh, I could see, especially if Florida State wins it against Florida this weekend and maybe one of the teams ahead of them falls, um, I could see Florida State kind of creeping up maybe towards like 13. I definitely think we'll be top 15 when it all uh, comes to an end.
1: Um, Here's something I would like to say about Florida State here. I've been a Mike Norvell believer since he uh, went there. And I, I seem to recall this, this certain man who's a big Florida State fan and was not the Mike Norvell believer and saying that he was not going to really turn that program around. How are you feeling about that now?
0: And guess what? I'm not bought in until we win the ACC. So that's not going to happen this year. So he's going to have to keep waiting.
1: I think if you give Florida State another two years – Next year, I, I believe they, they should easily, easily go 10-2. I mean, they, they look good. I mean, they have, they have good coaching. They're getting good recruits in. I mean, they look good. Next year, if they go 9-2 again and get another good recruiting class in, I could still see them uh, definitely being back to their form in the early 2010s. Yeah,
0: well, so you I can't – like, You can't blame me for having commitment issues with Florida State head coaches. After what Jimbo Fisher did to us, I'm I'm not ready until somebody wins us a national championship to fully be like, yep, he's the guy. So you get, uh, I I grew up with Bobby Bowden being the coach. He was like on his way out when I, you know, of for the games that I remember watching. So I have Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher was the Florida State coach for me. And he just, you know, pretty much quit a year early and I'm not ready to believe in Mike Norvell yet. He's still had a lot of rough moments. Like he has had so many moments this season where, especially in that, that stretch of three straight losses where it's like you had the, uh, a huge opportunity to win the game and you just threw it away. NC State was a horrible, horrible last drive uh, from a play-calling standpoint, and like I, I just don't understand how you can put yourself in those kind of situations. So I still need to see the the late-game situations improve for me to fully buy in.
1: I agree, but I think that all, I mean, I mean again, sound like a broken record. And I know he's not young. He's been around the block. He's coached at a very big uh, football – group of five uh, group football program. And he's had wins over uh, big teams when he was at Memphis and coming to Memphis. But I think it's the adjustment that he's still having it used to. from Okay, I went from not having a lot of talent to having so much talent. I don't need to do these certain things, you know. I can just play football. I don't need to- – Trick around, do all these trick plays, do whatever. I can just play straight up football and do what we're good at because I know my talent is just as good or better than their talent. So I think it's going to come with time, and I really hope it does because I like him. I think he's a, I think he's a good coach. and I like him, so I really hope he can finally figure out how to coach a D one, power five program.
0: Yeah. Hey, I, I'm all for it if he wants to be successful. Uh, We'll move on to uh, uh, another head coach that's been questioned throughout the year, but uh, the questions are quickly leaving for Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame. Uh, They come in at 15, and they – we said it last week, and they just continue to prove it, that they're making a a full 360 from those early losses. Like, they look very good.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not going to lie. I I wasn't – I was I really wasn't too worried about when uh, when they said Brian Kelly's leaving and they were hiring Marcus Freeman cuz I thought I mean he coached pretty uh, he was their coach with the bowl game wasn't he
0: Um I believe so
1: I mean in my opinion he looked pretty good he seemed confident the players seemed to really like him they wanted to play for him so I was very exci- I was very excited for the season you know they start off the season kind of kind of you know not good at all and I was like oh well Maybe I you know, maybe i gave I, I gave him too, you know too much hype and all that, and I mean he, like you said, he won has had a three hundred and sixty turnaround of that program the second half, and I'm really really happy for him now, granted, it, it's a Notre Dame schedule, so it's not the best in the world, but still, first year coaching he he looks young, he appears to be young, but to my knowledge, he hasn't been a head coach anywhere before, no. and I mean he's looking. He's looking very good for this. Be his uh, first year coaching. I mean, if I had to give him a coaching grade right now, it would definitely be a B plus, if not an A. Especially for let me rephrase that for the second half of the season, it's an yeah,
0: A plus. After that for the Stanford first game.
1: Half, yeah, the first half of the season, we'll give him a C. Hey,
0: he I'll give him this. Look- Early in the year, they beat North Carolina, who nobody really thought was going to be that great. Coming into this point in the season, so I'll give them props on that and a couple of very good ranked wins, obviously the win against Clemson you had Syracuse the week before that, early win to BYU and um I will say Notre Dame could shock some people if they uh they go into a USC and whoop some ass this weekend
1: yeah, that's a I was getting in touch on that, but I agree they. I think that's going to be another game. It's, again, unfortunately, going to be a dang twelve thirty game for us here on the uh, East Coast. But um, it'll be at
0: 730, 730, prime time on ABC.
1: Oh, perfect! But um, yeah, that's going to be a good game. I'm definitely gonna. I I don't. I have no work on Saturday, so I get to watch, sit down, and watch football all day. So that's why yeah. I would one hundred wish that was me. Hey, at least you got to give up your Thanksgiving.
0: Fair enough. Uh, we'll move on to uh, number fourteen, Utah. Once again, um, you know you lose to a uh, what I'd personally say is a better team, uh, even though Utah was ranked higher. Uh, you lose to Oregon. It's uh, number ten versus number twelve. They lose. Move to fourteen. Makes sense. Uh, I'm not going to argue them higher. Um, but I will say they are better than Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, I will agree. Uh, there's really not too much of to say on them. I mean, they're a good team. I think that's a very solid ranking for them.
0: Yeah, and so we'll move on to uh, another Pac-12 team, which, you know, it seems like we just can't get away from the Pac-12, uh, which is kind of surprising, <laughs> but Washington comes in at 13, and – have they made some huge jumps? Like, what, they were, they were number 25 when they uh, went into that Oregon game two weeks ago, and they're just miraculously number 13. Like, they look great.
1: They are looking like a great team. And to uh, 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 go off what you were saying, uh, what you said, I am very shocked to see this many Pac-12 teams in the top 25. I haven't seen – I don't think I've ever seen this made pac 12 teams in top 25 in my life. So, <clears throat> I mean, and, and they, it's very well-deserved. Don't get me wrong. They look good. So, uh, very good for them with the – now it's time to bring the hate on. They all look very good. But are any of them college football playoff contending teams? In my opinion, not really.
0: Yeah, they're not. Um, I I think USC is the best um, representative for the Pac-12 if they do make it in. But, you know, Washington have now moved up to third place in the Pac-12, which uh, they don't have any divisions anymore in the Pac-12. So um, they're number number three in the conference, nine and two this season, uh, a loss to UCLA, which UCLA is a great team. interesting loss to Arizona State but you know they started off four straight wins they got a win over a Michigan State team who we all thought was going to be very good uh turns out they're not they absolutely suck uh they get a win against Oregon State a team who's been on the rise they get a win against Oregon who was you know impressing everybody you know outside of week 1 uh up until that game and then uh you know Colorado comes to them and they just beat the hell out of Colorado cuz they are uh, I'll go ahead and claim it. Colorado is the Pac-12 punching bag this year. I mean, if you look
1: at their re- if you look at their record in all their games, I think that's uh, that's almost self-explanatory.
0: Yeah, it's honestly tough to look at. Like one in ten, Hey, they beat Cal. That's a conference win. Hey. Uh,
1: Golden Bears, man. Oh. At least they're not dead last in the conference then I guess, eh?
0: That's true. You'll give that one to Stanford. But uh, we'll move on to uh, number 12, Kansas State. Um, yeah, I-, I like it, honestly. Kansas State has actually looked really good. Um, the They've had a couple of big wins. Uh, Adrian Martinez has looked good. I know he was out for a couple of weeks. And even the guy that came in to fill in also looks really good for that team. Um I I can see Kansas State sneaking into the top 10 if they uh especially if they um they win the Big 12 championship but um if they win this week um and maybe like Penn State maybe falls uh, I don't really see that happening but you know if one of these these top teams slips up this week I could see Kansas State moving up
1: Yeah I could definitely see that I mean they they definitely have surprised me this year uh they you know historically or in my in our time they've been a pretty decent team and it's you know back to what I think it's really nice to see all these different teams being here and having the potential of you know changing the college football playoffs and that's something I, I really like seeing
0: yeah I I think Kansas State looks very good, uh 8 and 3, which uh some people once again will question, you know, why is there an 8 and 3 team at number 12 when you've got 9 and 2 teams behind them. And like I said, it, it's I don't want to call it recency bias. I uh, I just want to say that like it's more just, you know, uh, proving results down the line. Uh they played a close game with Texas who uh you know, isn't the same team we thought they were, but you know, uh a great win at oklahoma uh, another great win at um at Oklahoma state, where they won forty eight zero they beat baylor thirty one three which is a uh, you know a team that kept it close with t c u this week and then uh they go in and uh beat West Virginia so I think Kansas state does deserve to be where they are, and uh I, they've definitely caught me by surprise
1: i uh, I think their ranking there is a good ranking
0: because to
1: piggyback off what you were saying, is the consistency. And there's another team that's ranked up there that, yeah, they may have uh, – we're getting to a minute. I'm kind of going to use them as an example with uh, Kansas State. is, They may have two losses, this other team I'm speaking of, but yet those two losses were very close games, and they were very cons- – they're still very consistent at being a good team. It's just they – They've been very consistent. That's why I believe Kansas State deserves to be where they are. And this other team I'm speaking of, when we get to them, I'll say about them, I'll get more into more depth about it. But they deserve to be where they are too because I think when you look at the rankings, despite having two losses, one loss, three loss, it's your consistency each game and how you look each game. I think that's a big factor on where – how a, you know, 9 team could be above a – uh, you know 10 and 1 team or you
0: know something like that yeah and and uh i'm assuming the team that you're talking about is the next one which is number 11 penn state no I'm, i was no.
1: Thinking of another one, but yeah that one works okay. too i agree uh yeah, they also might- uh they they also really work for that they've been a very consistent team i think that the only thing with them is, didn't they lose by 20 plus to Michigan?
0: They sure did. It was 41 17. But, you know, they kept it. Uh, it was a 13 point game against Ohio State. And the rest of the games have been pretty impressive wins 55 uh, 10 against Rutgers last week, whatever. But 30 0 against Maryland, 45 14 Indiana. You know, the list goes on with just the blowouts this week or uh, this season for Penn State. And, you know, I am I think they are under ranked at number 11. I think they've impressed me more than one or two of these teams that made the top 10.
1: I, I have to agree with you. I, I think I would put them above. I think they should be in the top 10. I would have to say that. I think I agree. Their only two losses are... To the number three and number, or sorry, the number two and the number three team in the nation. And like you said, every other game has been a blowout. But the thing that we look here at is let's look at their conference. You know, you can always bring in their conference in this. Look at the teams they're playing against these other teams, you know? So. Yeah,
0: it, you can say that it's a strength of schedule thing, but. The Big Ten is definitely the second best conference in college football. And I, oh, I'm 100%. not just saying that because of, like, the, the strong fan bases. But Penn State, they had to play a, an SEC team. Obviously, it was Auburn, which isn't the best uh, representative of the SEC. And they, they blew the brakes off of them. So I don't want to discount how, how well Penn State has played this year. Um them being six and two in the conference, and them being nine and two overall, is huge. Like they, they would have won the West with the with the record they're at right now by two games. So, um, I think I think Penn State deserves a lot of recognition.
1: No, I I agree. I don't mean to hate on them a lot, but they they are a good team. Do not get me wrong. They would beat a lot of other uh, good teams out there. I just think the reason some of these other teams are ranked ahead of them and what we're talking about is if you were to look at the strength of the schedule. And I think that's kind of what we get out of the next few rankings of why they're at 11 these other two teams are at 10 and 9.
0: Yeah. So we'll go to number 10, and that's going to be Tennessee. Uh, I I don't want to say I'm, like, surprised, but um, I kind of thought Tennessee was going to come in at 9 – and Oregon was going to be ten. I, I thought uh, Oregon would just kind of take Utah's spot. Uh, obviously, Oregon wins, Tennessee loses in the same week. It kind of makes sense, but at the same time, they're both nine and two. And um, yes, Tennessee did lose to an unranked team, but I still see them as a, a little bit better than Oregon.
1: I think I have to agree. I think Tennessee is the better team of the two. Yeah. But if you were to look at the past few weeks, Oregon never got blown out by an unranked team or anything, or got blown, really didn't lose any game in a full on blowout. Tennessee, on the other hand, I mean, got blown out by South Carolina fully. Like, I mean, they had no hope in that game. Um, they just did not come out ready to play the game at all, and they completely got blown out. And I think. That's why they're at number 10, and Oregon is at number 9. I could also see – I'm surprised they didn't even drop – they didn't drop all the way down to 11. Um, That was surprising to me, but I think the reason they didn't is because you look at Tennessee's two losses. Yeah, one was a blowout, but one was – I mean, not a great game against number one Georgia, but a pretty solid game against number one Georgia. So I think that's why they're at number 10
0: and Penn State's at number 11. Yeah, no, I I get um, why people want to say that Tennessee um, is great, and I I think 10 works for them. Uh, And and then we'll just go ahead and get into 9 with Oregon. Um, I I do think that Oregon has impressed a lot this year. Uh, Nobody really thought that Bo Nix was going to play this way but i still kind of value tennessee's strength of schedule versus oregon's i think tennessee has much bigger wins than oregon does
1: i agree i think tennessee does have bigger wins but you know when it comes down to it the committee's very strange i i think the tennessee oregon game would be a pretty fun game to watch
0: yeah i agree that would be very interesting uh, but we'll go ahead and move on to uh, number eight, Clemson. Um, yeah, it, it's right where they should be. Uh, the ACC really sucks this year, so um, ten and one is just gonna have to do it for them. Uh, yeah, I, I
1: I have to agree. I like where they're at, but something I do want to get into is: Do you take a ten and one Clemson team that's an ACC champion, or do you take a a twelve and one, or sorry, an eleven and one, Ohio State or Michigan team that is not a conference champion in the
0: top four. Well, with the way they've laid it out for us, they they almost give Clemson no chance because yeah, if, if Ohio State or Michigan um drops out of the top four, um with the way it looks right now, LSU would get in uh, obviously after or uh, after the championship games. That'll probably change, but um, it, it looks like the only way that any team outside of the top four would get in right now is if LSU wins the SEC championship or one of the uh, the Big 12, or sorry, one of the Big 10 teams loses in the game or TCU falls, uh, and that would kind of boost USC in, but I don't see Alabama making it. I don't see Clemson, Oregon, or Tennessee making it. No, I
1: definitely don't see Alabama making it. They'll finish in the top 10. They'll go to the Sugar Bowl or one of the New Year's Six Bowls. But I think, I think that's going to be something that we're really going to look, look at when it comes to host uh, uh, – when they're making the final CFP – not the final, but the uh, CFP rankings to go into the playoffs. Because – I think that's going to be very interesting because Clemson does have a, I mean, yeah, they have – they only have one loss. Honestly, they have not played well this year. But still, they're a conference champion at 12-1 and opposed to uh, Michigan and Ohio State that is not a conference champion at
0: 11-1. So I think that is
1: definitely something that is – and this is, again, if – this is also saying that Cal, Southern California loses – a game and doesn't win their conference championship
0: yeah uh, I, I don't I, I still just can't you know wrap my brain around Clemson making it in or even Alabama but um I do think that the um, the committee is gonna value the fact that you know whoever does lose the Ohio State Michigan game lost to either the number two or number three team in the nation. So they're they're not going to drop far. Uh, even if one of them gets blown out, um, I don't even see them. I, whoever loses isn't going to drop past five.
1: Well, and this is kind of off topic. This is why I want to see an extended playoff, because I could make a scenario for the top 15, not really. Okay, let me phrase it. The top well, 11 teams to get into the playoffs. Like, so I would love to see an expanded playoff one day.
0: Yeah. And it, it does look like it'll be a a 12 team playoff. Not sure if that's starting this coming year or the the year after, but, um, you know, the top 12 looks very good right now. Um, I, I still think that you wouldn't see any upsets, um, on the uh, one through three at the moment, uh, based on how it's laid out. But uh, you never know. You know, it's the, it's the college football playoff. Uh, crazier things have happened. Um, but we already talked about Alabama was above Clemson, but Alabama comes in at seven. Once again, I do think it's where they should be. Um, their two losses are to two teams that, you know, obviously Tennessee doesn't look quite as good now, but still, Tennessee was great. Uh, coming into that Alabama game, Tennessee gets the win. LSU the same thing, LSU gets the win at Alabama. You know, they're going to give Alabama the credit. You know, they'll they'll never put Alabama outside the top 10 until they get three losses.
1: Now, this is this was the team Alabama was a team I was, I was speaking of when i was saying a two-loss team that's been very consistent. They lost to Tennessee and last second field goal. They lost to LSU overtime and a two point conversion and every other game they played this season it's been a very consistent game they've played consistently not consistently good but not great and well
0: not, not against they made, texas they did not play well against texas
1: but they they still ended up winning on that game it, it was like i said they were consistently like good but like against texas they didn't they didn't look that they they didn't look great but they still looked good they were able to score points but like could they have done better? Yeah. And I mean, I think their issue is their offensive. Honestly, Pete Golding's not doing too well as their defensive coordinator either or whatever his name is. And I think it's about time Nick Saban makes some changes in there.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think Bill O'Brien's the solution. Um, We saw how that worked in Houston when they thought he was (laughs) the solution. So, um, Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see. I I don't think that Nick Saban will allow this season to happen uh, without making some changes afterwards. But uh, we'll move into uh, the top six. Uh, You got USC at six, which we've kind of already mentioned the top six, but uh, USC at six and LSU at five. And I understand why LSU is at five. They've got the big wins. But... How is USC not five?
1: I think that's a good question. How is a 10-1 and one team not number five? Although <clears throat> LSU's losses at the time was number one Georgia and number five Tennessee. Or not Georgia, sorry. Um, Tennessee. They,
0: they, they lost Tennessee.
1: Tennessee and Alabama. Or, no, no, sorry. Alabama, Florida State. <laughs> Oh, yes, my my Florida State, so
0: week place. one. I almost forgot about that. I don't, I don't know how, but uh, yeah, Florida State in week one, and then later in the season, Alabama, or, uh Sorry, Tennessee. I'm so used to saying that LSU lost to Alabama.
1: Yeah, it's really crazy when, like, yeah, but like they were they played a, they looked sloppy against uh, against Florida State, and then of course they got. <laughs> They let Tennessee come to Death Valley and embarrass them 40 to 13. And I think that's when something clicked. And then, and that's when they've been, I mean, ever since they lost to Tennessee, they've looked like a completely different team and have looked amazing. So I think in their mind, I mean, LSU has a shot at beating Georgia, and that's why they have them ranked there. But I, I think LSU should be at six, and then Southern California at five because. I think Southern California has a better if they are going to have they have a better shot to make the playoffs than LSU does.
0: Yeah, I agree, and and I think you know they're they're putting LSU at five, um, knowing that, you know people have to talk about something, mm-hmm. so they they put him at five, knowing well that um, they all think that Georgia is going to win the SEC championship, which will end up causing LSU to drop. So so them being at five doesn't even matter because even if they were at seven and they won the championship, I still think that they would probably end up jumping.
1: Yeah, no, I, um, I, I agree. This is, of course, something that we're going to look at, and I'm going to you know, stick to my claim. Georgia is the best team in the nation. No one's going to be able to beat them. They're going to go back-to-back. Back. But you know, th- this definitely gives us a very interesting scenario here. If LSU does beat Georgia, So this is, again, something we'll have to keep keep an eye out on.
0: From here, we can kind of just run through the top four. So uh, it it stays the same. TCU 4, Michigan 3, Ohio State 2, and Georgia 1. Georgia didn't look very good. We didn't even talk about their game earlier uh, just because there was nothing really to even talk about. Uh, It was freezing cold up in Lexington. Georgia went in. They just, you know, got their business done and left. Uh, They didn't look great. They didn't look bad. Yeah, nothing impressed me there. Uh, Ohio State and Michigan, obviously, uh, got the wins. Michigan and TCU, uh, some hard-fought wins, but a win nonetheless. Um, So nothing changes at the top four. Anything that you were kind of thinking with these top four teams?
1: Might have to be with Georgia, and I've said it a billion times today. They're definitely looking ahead to the SEC Championship against LSU because, I mean, their final two opponents were – Kentucky, who has just fallen apart completely this year, and Georgia Tech, which, I mean, yeah, they just beat North Carolina, but, I mean, it's Georgia Tech, it's in Athens. I wouldn't want to beat Georgia Tech if I was in that game. So I think yeah. they're definitely just looking forward to this SEC championship. So I, I'm going to – I really hope this weekend against Georgia Tech they come out and they just stomp them to just you know, kind of shut everybody up to prove that they're number one uh, yet again because you know, people, people had to be reminded. I think with Georgia, they really just like, looked past Kentucky. You know, it was cold. It was miserable. They just wanted to get in there, win, and get out.
0: Obviously, um, we could see you know two through four get shuffled up a little bit. I have a feeling it's not going to change. I, I'm confident that TCU is going to win the Big 12. Um, they'll probably end up moving up to three. Uh, whether it's a close game or not with Ohio State, and Michigan, um, whoever loses will just drop to four because you know the playoff committee, um, they they don't want to see a rematch in the semifinal. They'd rather you know hope and pray that maybe that rematch could come in the championship.
1: I I am so interested to see how the season plays out. And I think it's going to play out how I imagine, but I mean, I think if every if. Clemson wins out, and Southern California wins out, and then you have Michigan or Ohio State with one loss and no conference championship. That's going to put up a great fight to see who gets that fourth slot, because arguably all three of those teams deserve it.
0: Yeah, they they do, but I just I don't see the playoff committee uh, booting any of them out because even like unless unless Ohio State or Michigan wins uh this weekend and then miraculously loses the big twelve or the big ten championship. Uh in in that case I do think that the loser of this weekend's matchup would drop out of the top four. Um and then uh them losing the championship game would end up probably just putting them at four because they would already be number two. They could get knocked out, but I, I don't think the playoff committee wants that to happen, nor do I think they'll let it happen. But yeah, I, I don't see much else happening with the top 25. Uh so we'll we'll move on to a, a couple of NFL outcomes and we'll kind of run through it this week. Not too much to talk about here, but uh Thursday night football, Titans beat the Packers and you know, the big takeaway here is that uh the the Packers um should not have won against Dallas first of all last week, but um yeah, they suck. Yeah. They just
1: I, I genuinely do not even know what safe say for them. They, they just don't look good.
0: No. Yeah, it, it's something we're not really accustomed to with the Packers. Obviously, they looked bad with uh in, in Mike McCarthy's last year there. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm definitely not used to the Packers being this bad. But um, it does seem like they're starting to figure a few things out. You know, Christian Watson uh, went from having zero touchdowns to uh, in a six-day span – being the rookie leader in receiving touchdowns, so there's some bright spots there, but yeah, not much to deal with. And then the Titans are they're boring. Uh, they just hand the ball to Derrick Henry and hope that he gets to the end zone.
1: And I'm going to say the same thing we say every week. Um, I really like Aaron Rodgers. He still does have some. He has a fair amount of years left in him. But at what point do the Packers go? You know what? We just need to trade him, get a good a few picks, get a few uh, players, and a trade package for him. And let's, you know, give Jordan Love his time or something to try and change it up there because I think they're too busy trying to make him happy than trying to focus on football. And for the Titans, something I say every week, why the hell did you trade A.J. Brown? I mean, look look, look at him. He is just going off. He was a perfect compliment to Derrick Henry. You had an elite wide receiver and an elite running back with a mediocre quarterback. Y'all had nothing but the sky. You know, the sky was the limit for y'all. And you traded away a top wide receiver in the NFL. That just made no sense to me.
0: Yeah, it, it's it, it's still puzzling, especially at this point in the season, seeing how well A.J. Brown's done. Uh, I will say that Traylon Burks looks good. Um, you know, he just needs a, a skilled quarterback, and Tannehill is just not quite that. Uh, we'll move on to uh, Falcons uh, just barely. Ah, uh, beating the Bears twenty-seven twenty-four. Young Waku hits the game-winning field goal. Um, Justin Fields still looked pretty good. Um, he he hasn't had like a bad game in like four or five weeks, which is uh, not what we're used to seeing from him.
1: Yeah, um, I have to agree. I, I think he's maturing and settling in a little more, and he's getting more comfortable in that system. I think they're finally starting to use him properly
0: yeah for sure it does look like they're they're kind of running like a a baltimore style offense uh you know using justin fields as the lamar jackson you know you know set up the passes to where uh justin fields can kind of still get his job done on the ground uh he had 18 carries he only had 21 uh pass attempts so they're 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 spreading it out pretty well um when it comes to uh, running the ball and passing the ball with Justin Fields, uh, keeping him safe while also, you know, kind of letting him play to his strengths. Uh, It just didn't quite work out this week. And not that the Falcons looked great on offense, but um, a couple of bright spots, uh, a tough injury to Kyle Pitts, though. Uh, I haven't – I don't quite remember what the diagnosis is, but I don't Uh, know he will be returning this
1: season. Yes. I think they
0: said it was a – yeah. Yeah, so torn MCL. Um, he'll he'll be out for the rest of the year, which sucks because Kyle Pitts is great. Uh, he hasn't had you know quite the same season as he did last year, but it's also because defenses know that he's a threat.
1: I was about to say it's going to be like when Julio Jones was in his prime. They double covered him every game, which opened up our running game, which opened up our receivers, other receivers, especially you know uh, in the 2016 year we went to the Super Bowl. We had a you know a speedster and uh, Taylor Gabriel who could you know dart down the field and while every you know they got two dudes on Julio Jones he you know he's short and fast so he could, you know sneak right through there and get by Muhammad Sanu and a couple others uh, and then of course we had those other tight ends but that's what made that offensive the they were so they were always so focused on Julio Jones double they have a double cover him you couldn't count for everybody else so that and that's what we're doing with Austin. Uh, no, sorry, not awesome. with Kyle Pitts, is we're letting the defense focus on him so we can use our other weapons.
0: Yeah. That's why and,
1: that offensive and, thing is looking
0: so good. And I think this offense could look a lot better. I, I do think that Marcus Mariota's play style kind of limits them. I'm not saying that he's playing bad. Uh, a QB rating of 100, you can't really say a guy's playing bad. But, um, you know, you're not throwing the ball much when you've got a, a, a top 10 draft pick and Kyle Pitts at tight end. You've got, what, like a top 15 draft pick um, with uh, Drake London, and you just aren't using him. Drake London only had one reception for two yards this game. Like, you gotta start using your weapons, and I think it just comes down to Mariota doesn't quite work with how talented the receiving core is for this offense.
1: I agree. I think it is about time I've been saying it since, I believe, either 2018 or 2019. The Falcons need to draft a young quarterback and build him up to be their next – to be the next guy, to be their next franchise quarterback. I'm really excited to see what we do in this upcoming draft class because there are a lot of good – I really hope we trade up and get one of them. I would love Bryce Young, I think. The only his only downside is he's short, but he is so confident, so poised out on the field. And if he needs to call the plays, he can call the plays, and he is just, he he's just so good. I love watching him play.
0: Yeah, and if the, if the Falcons keep just you know messing around, winning some games, they could find themselves in the playoffs, which would kind of diminish what their draft pick could be. But if they do sneak in into that like the the twenties, uh, I could see. A couple of pretty skilled quarterbacks dropping down there. Uh, would you be opposed to Hendon Hooker in Atlanta?
1: I think he would be good in Atlanta. I mean, you know, the Atlanta offense, especially for a while now, has just been – they've really been living on those deep balls, those big plays, and obviously that is something that he can do.
0: Yeah, I think especially with the injury for Hendon Hooker, um, he's going to end up dropping just a little bit, uh, you know, an ACL injury late in the season. He's not going to have that full time to recover. You know, he might might not even be back on the field come the combine. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, and where the Falcons feel that they need to address. Um, Terry Fontenot, in these last couple of years that he's been here, he kind of makes a couple of surprise choices. Um, yeah, you know, nobody really thought we we totally needed a wide receiver uh, until we you know knew a little more about Calvin Ridley. But um, he ended up going out. You know, you pick Drake London, and you got to steal. Honestly, I, I I think that in the first couple of weeks, he looked like the best wide receiver uh, in this rookie class that was full of wide receiver talent. But um, at the same time, you know, you're you not using him correctly. So if they want to address the needs, I, I think you got to snag one of these very talented quarterbacks with the first-round pick.
1: Yeah, I mean, Atlanta definitely has a lot to work on on their defense. they really got to get some pass. They really need some D-linemen, some linebackers. And I think their DVs are fine, but their front seven definitely needs to be worked on. But I think when it comes to Atlanta – they got to get – I mean, again, no hate to Marcus Marriott. He's been playing a really good. But I think we need to get – got to get ourselves a young quarterback who we can mold into being our, our next franchise quarterback. I think that is a more important draft pick for Atlanta right now because that's they, – they don't have a solid quarterback to get. I think that's what someone you got, you got to get, and you can just, you know, sign a veteran or sign an older guy or even a mediocre D lineman, or linebacker, or even all, we can also use some offensive linemen to. You can definitely sign those way, but I think a quarterback is someone you definitely need to draft and then mold into what you need.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, we'll we'll go ahead and move on to the Bills beating the Browns. There's not much to talk about this game, other than that I would have much rather watched this matchup in six feet of snow. Um, Same. But you know, they they go to Detroit. They play it indoors, boring, don't care. Um, yeah, it was another another day at the job for the Bills. Uh, the, the Browns did keep it close, I'll give them that. Jacoby Brissett actually looked pretty good. But, um, yeah, I, I, there's not really much to say here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really have too too much to say about it either. It's just, I mean, good game for the Bills. They they went and took care of business. and The Browns, uh, they just have not really – been looking too good this year. They they were look. I mean, last year uh, especially, they were looking really good. And then they just kind of went, just kind of went mediocre this year. So we'll see what happens with uh, when they get the Sean Watson. If he was worth all the trouble they've gone through for him
0: here yeah, in the last weeks. About to say we're gonna we're gonna see. Uh, you know, if, if the Browns uh, made the right move uh, from you know week thirteen until the the end of the season. Uh we'll go ahead and move on from this one to uh Eagles Colts. Eagles offense is struggling, man. Yeah, uh they, they pick up the first loss uh the uh against the Commanders and then you play the Colts who, you know, they fired their head coach two weeks ago. Uh they they don't even know what they want to do in the offense. Uh Jonathan Taylor's been uh pretty uh, pretty bad, honestly. It's kind of just the best way to say it. He's been pretty bad this season You know, compared to what everybody thought he was going to do. Um, and then Matt Ryan just can't really get anything done. And you only win 17-16. Um, yeah, there's not not too many bright spots here in this one.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I, I don't really want to repeat you because I don't want to sound like a broken record, but there's really not too much. You can look at this game and be like, oh, dang. both sides just look pretty bad um i mean good i mean it's always i mean of course you can uh, shout out to the defense for playing a great game but they neither side's offense could really do anything and i don't know if it's because the defense just showed up or if they were just having an off day or what
0: yeah it it was an interesting one i watched a little bit of it and it was it was hard to watch, especially that Colts offense. Uh, We'll move on to an offense that was most definitely the hardest to watch this week. Uh, The Patriots beating the Jets 10 to three. That Jets offense was brutal, especially in the second half. Negative 21 passing yards in the second half, uh, two total yards of offense. It it was ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I have never experienced an offense that bad in my, I think my, football-watching career. Like, like I just... Like, how?
0: That's
1: the worst stat line I could imagine.
0: It amazes me even more that they were in the game until the Patriots took back a punt to win the game late. So, like...
1: Yeah, I believe it was under a minute left. They they basically ran out the clock.
0: Yeah, And, and, like, Zach Wilson comes out in his press conference after the game, and they're like, you know, do you take any responsibility for, you know, how this offense played and he just said no. Like that's ridiculous. You you've got to be a leader. I don't care if it's your second year in the league. You got to prove it to not only, you know, the media and the fans and whatever, you got to prove it to your team that you're the guy and you can't go out there just saying that it wasn't your fault. You couldn't get anything done. Like he was playing like such an idiot out there and just you know, walks into that press conference all cocky, saying that it wasn't his fault this offense sucked. No, it 100% was.
1: Yeah, when you're the leader of the offense and you're the centerpiece of the offense, you have to take that responsibility. At some point, you have to. And I understand he's a young guy or whatever, but that's just that, that's just almost embarrassing,
0: yeah, it, to, it's, to it's, say the least. Yeah, it's inexcusable from him. But uh, we'll move on. Uh, I just kind of want to – quickly race through a couple of these outcomes so saints beat the Rams 21 20 the Rams sucks uh and and they're beat up so you know can't blame them for that uh-huh. one and then uh lions beat the giants 31 18 this one's a little bit surprising the lions um uh, they've looked pretty good um uh, this is their uh third win in a row it's like the first time doing this in a long long time uh so i'm sure the detroit's celebrating but yeah, the Giants uh, surprisingly looked pretty flat in this game. Daniel Jones still had a decent game other than the uh, the turnovers, but nothing much coming out of there. And then Ravens beating the Panthers 13-3. This game sucked. The just... the Ravens couldn't get it done. Obviously, the Panthers couldn't get it done. And uh, uh, some interesting news that came out this week. Uh, Sam Darnold starting for the Panthers next week.
1: Panthers should have done. Cause they should have taken care of their rookie quarterback. Matt uh, Corral, <laughs> let him get to the, the uh, realm. Because hell, they don't have anything. No hate to Baker, no hate to Sam, uh, but they, especially this season, I mean, I, they just have not played well. Just for future reference, anybody who wants to be a coach, especially NFL, if you draft a rookie quarterback, do not put him behind your 12th string all, all offensive line and put the ones against him because he's going to get hurt. He, usually your rookies are the future.
0: Especially someone you pick up in the first two rounds. Yeah, it's interesting how they dealt with that, but you know, it's almost it's it's already weird enough that they even drafted him because they already had Sam Darnold uh, at that point. And then they got Baker, and it's like, okay, so you picked up Matt Corral, and you had zero intention of him being the starter, let alone the second string quarterback, because you had two guys that you know they've put in a couple years in the league, and yeah, it, it. it confuses me and then of course they start losing and they're like oh what should we do let's trade all of our pieces uh for some draft picks so uh we'll move on from there commanders beat the Texans 23 10 uh yeah of no course shock. uh raiders beat the broncos 22 16 in overtime once again not surprising whatsoever both of these teams have just been so hard to watch the broncos offense sucks the Raiders' offense is, I said it last week, the Raiders' offense sucks, except for when the ball goes to Devontae Adams. Uh, so, yeah, this one doesn't surprise me at all. I do want to talk a little bit more about um, Cowboys-Vikings, though. Uh, Cowboys just came out and kicked the shit out of the Vikings, 40-3. to Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a classic ass-kicking right there.
0: Like, it, and at no point in this game did the Vikings even look like they wanted to compete. Like, it was brutal. And, like, the Cowboys are coming off of a loss to the Packers, and they just decide that they just want to beat up on, you know, the, the second best, you know, by record team in the, uh, the NFC.
1: Yeah, uh, that game definitely surprises me. That is not that is not at all how I was expecting it to go. Um, very surprised by the Cowboys playing like that. But, you know, they're the Dallas Cowboys, so come playoff time, they're going to (laughs) choke.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's what they're good at. Um, And then uh, Kirk Cousins, like, we've been talking about the last couple weeks, he's kind of looked very good. And then 12 for 23 for 105, he got sacked seven times for 49 yards. Like, that's ridiculous. And then you only give Dalvin Cook 11 carries, even when the passing game isn't working for you. He gets you seventy-two yards, like he was. He was doing work, and you're still not feeding him the ball. Like it, it doesn't make sense. Obviously, uh, they they tried to feed uh, Hawkinson and Jefferson. You can't just sit there and throw the ball and hope it's going to work, especially when you saw how many times it didn't.
1: Yeah, I have to say that it, it, to me, it kind of seemed like they were forcing a lot. You know, just just trying to force plays, their their playmakers, and sometimes, well, as sometimes you can't force a play. You know, it, it comes from, you know, a lot. Usually it comes from a drive or it just happens. You you can't force it, you know, and that's what they're trying to do too hard. And I think they just got down so much. They just got so flustered and that's the only thing they could think
0: of. Yeah, and, and I don't think this is a, a full reflection of this Vikings team. Uh, I, I genuinely think this is their floor uh, and it's definitely going to be an outlier come the end of the season, but there, there's definitely some big things that we see here and it's that um, – it it doesn't seem like the uh, the decision making is working out for him when it comes to you know playing a top team. Uh, obviously, their two losses are to the Cowboys and the Eagles, and you know the Eagles, though they've had a rough last two weeks, uh, they're still eight and one, the best team in the NFC. The Cowboys, another uh, pretty solid team. Like, it it is very surprising that the Vikings, you know, didn't do the right thing, and I think it does come down to. Kevin O'Connell, you know, it it is his first season. So, you can't totally just be like, "Oh, um, you know, why did we lose? Or why is why are things not going exactly how we want them to?" And you you got to give him a little bit of slack because um the Vikings have been a, a a decent franchise for the last few years. You know, Mike Zimmer did his thing, and uh, you know, that all of a sudden changes and they've had a, a some growing pains when it comes to playing top teams.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. He, like you said, you cannot yet to remember this is the uh, coach's first year there. So you got to give him that the benefit of the doubt there, but I think 40 to three. Yeah. You're, yeah. It's an outlier, but not even able to score a touchdown. Yeesh.
0: Yeah. It's rough, but uh, we'll, we'll move on to a uh, Bengals Steelers. Uh, Bengals, uh, win it 37, 30, um, Obviously, Joe Mixon left the game with a concussion, so that kind of threw a few things off. Samaj P. Ryan uh, did a, a pretty good job. Uh, I think he had two touchdowns, um, but a, a great game out of him. And um, yeah, the, with the, or the AFC North, uh, any, any week uh, that an NFC North team faces uh, off against another one, it, it's probably going to be a close game. That's a very frisky division.
1: Like you said, any week, it's very – you don't really know what you can get from all of them, especially uh, this year. I think they're all, like – they're not bad, but none of them seem to be great. You know, they seem to all kind of fall into this area of, you know, what are we – what are we exactly? They're, it kind of seems like they're they are back searching for their identity again.
0: Yeah. Um, we'll move on to um, the Chiefs beating the Chargers 30-27. to 27. Uh, this game should not have been this close. Uh, The the Chiefs played really well, and and I'll give the Chargers that, you know, they they played well, but this Chargers team, uh, I don't really believe in them. I know they've had some injury problems, but, um, you know, we can keep saying that, you know, Justin Herbert is the, the next quarterback in the NFL, and we can keep saying that Eckler and Keenan Allen do a great job, and they do, but, it just doesn't seem like the Chargers totally have what it needs to be a contender, uh, especially not, not nearly as much as it, the, the media writes about. The, the media all offseason was like, oh, the Chargers have a shot at the Super Bowl, and I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think Justin Herbert's quite ready for that.
1: Yeah, no, I think he still has uh, several more years before. I don't think he's going to be the next you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or anything. But he's going to be a great quarterback. Do not get me wrong. I could I could definitely see him making a few Super Bowls, possibly winning one. But I think it's going to take him a while before he gets there, especially in the franchise that he's in. They're going to have to get you know a couple big time players before they get to that that spot. I don't think they're going to quite be like you know the the the, the <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> the uh, Patriots or the Chiefs, where they just have a system in place where. You know, they have a great quarterback, and they can have great wide receivers, uh, running backs, and defense and all that, but the, the system, no matter who they put in there, it's going to work. I don't think the Chargers have that.
0: Yeah, uh, there's not much that I see that's very good with this Chargers team, and obviously the Chiefs are great, and they'll just continue to be that way. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to uh, the 49ers beating the Cardinals 38-10, and... I got to say, this 49ers offense is awesome. Like, there's just so many pieces. Like, Christian McCaffrey didn't even have, like, a great game, uh, at at least on uh, rushing, um, that we're used to. But Elijah Mitchell still picks up 59 yards. McCaffrey had 39. But um, in the passing game, Kittle gets 84 yards. He's got two touchdowns. Ayuk, two receptions, two touchdowns. Uh, McCaffrey had seven receptions in this game, which is crazy. And it just seems like uh, Kyle Shanahan understands, you know, just how to get it done. Obviously uh, the Cardinals are a little beat up. The Murray's out. And, you know, Colt McCoy is starting for him. But you definitely got to give your props to Kyle Shanahan.
1: Yeah, 100%. I'm really liking this Niners team. I, really, I don't know why, but I, I, I really have a soft spot for the Niners for some reason. I, I don't know what it is but I I like them. So I really want to see them do good. I just I I it's just fun to watch. I don't know why but I just enjoy watching them. So yeah, I want to uh, see them do good and so like you said their their offense just looks great.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll give them this. Their defense is so good. Yeah, um I I don't know how to say his first name, but Hufanga, uh Ta- Talanoa Hufanga looks really good. Fred Warner looks really good. He had two tackles for loss and a sack in this one. Uh, obviously, Nick Bosa is great. Uh, three QB hits, which is kind of wild. But, um, yeah, they've they've got a lot of bright spots on this defense, and they are shutting teams down. And it doesn't really reflect that in their record because of some of the offensive struggles they've had. Obviously, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't quite the quarterback they were uh, – they thought was going to be starting. Um, We saw that with Trey Lance starting early, but, you know, it's what they've got, and, you know, he's making do. Uh, I feel bad for Colt McCoy. He's kind of getting screwed over in Arizona.
1: Yeah, to say what you were saying about Jimmy G is, I think he's the, for what they have there, I think he's the best option because he's a proven winner. He can win you a football game, and, I mean, he brought him to the Super Bowl a few years ago. He's a proven winner. I really like that, and... I think he's really good for there. I don't think they really want a quarterback they're going to have to work with. You know, they want to keep winning, and Jamie Garoppolo is there winning for him. Why? would you want to bring in a younger quarterback when you have a quarterback who still has a, a fair amount of years left in uh, left in him? You know, why would you want to bring in a younger guy to try to take over when this quarterback's winning for you?
0: That definitely makes sense, and I, I do want to give the props to Arizona's offense because you know they looked like pretty good numbers wise, especially in the passing game. You know, Greg Dortch nine receptions, one hundred and three yards. DeAndre Hopkins nine receptions, ninety one yards. And you would think that uh, you you'd have found a little bit more success with this. It it just wasn't quite working. Uh, it, it's kind of the same thing I've talked about a couple times where um, teams. They look good on paper because they move the ball down the field a little bit, but you know they couldn't even really get into field goal range in this game, and the numbers still looked good so it it comes down to execution and you know the Cardinals, though they do um they are missing Kyler Murray all season, it's been a problem. They just can't execute.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that a coach of theirs is on the hot seat.
0: Yeah, Cliff very has week. to get fired at this point. It, it's it's crazy. He's gotta be fired at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I definitely think he I think he should go. And I mean again, <laughs> Kylie Murray, great quarterback, but I just don't really see him being the guy, you know? There's just something about he's good, he's athletic, and I think he has a lot, he has a good potential. But to me personally, he's not really the type of quarterback that I think would really be a, uh, would take you places.
0: Yeah. And, and I, I think don't he's wanna, just
1: really fun to watch.
0: Yeah. I don't want to get stuck in this Kyler Murray quicksand that we seem to run into every week because it's obvious that both of us are not the biggest fans. Um, but yeah, that'll wrap up the NFL for this past week. And uh, we'll move into a couple of the MLB offseason moves that happened uh over this past week so uh probably the biggest one in terms of like news is uh the dodgers non-tendering cody bellinger so he, he will not be returning to the dodgers uh you know former rookie of the year uh i'm pretty sure he won an mvp like he was he was very good in la and just these past two seasons have been rough for him uh but he could definitely end up on, on a pretty good team um my thought right now is that if the Yankees don't get judged back i I could possibly see them picking up Cody Bellinger.
1: um yeah, I, I, why were we on the same page there? Uh, yeah, I was actually talking to my buddy about this earlier. He's an ex baseball player, just played Juco, but he's a big Yankees fan, and uh, me and him were talking about that, he definitely was like, yeah, uh, you know the Yankees. He was telling me, you know, they seem to need another – a good pitcher. And I think, uh, you know, I mean, baseball is a game he can play for 30 years in the majors. And I think he still has – he still has a lot of years left him. He's, what, 27? So, I think, you know, you can have a few off years. But uh, I think anyone – I think wherever he goes and gets picked up, I think he, that's a good call for them. But the Yankees could definitely use him. Um, Someone else who could use him, which I mean, we just need starters, uh, some new starters in general, and yeah, I would say the Braves, but I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll come here.
0: No, nah, he. But, I, um, I was thinking about this one earlier, um, how he would fit in, and he just doesn't. Uh, we obviously yeah. we don't need a right fielder, we don't need a center fielder. Those two spots are locked up, um, and you know you don't really want to put a left-handed glove in left field. So yeah, I don't think he has a spot in Atlanta. Obviously. Uh, if you could get his bat to improve, he would. Um, you just throw him at the DH, but um, I think that'd be a waste of Cody Bellinger's very talented glove. So I, I could see him going there um, before a couple of the moves that we'll get into. I, I I thought that there was a chance he goes to the Mariners, but uh, now he doesn't have a spot there either. But I'll I'll definitely be interested in uh, seeing where Cody Bellinger goes because I I still think that he's got the potential to be a great player. Uh, I think these past two years have just been pretty tough for him. Uh, So we'll move on. Um, A a trade that I'm kind of questioning, which is the Angels trading for Gio Urshela. And uh, I'm a little bit confused by this one uh, because, yes, Anthony Rendon at third base hasn't done much for you in these past couple years. He's been in L.A. But are you really going to start Gio Urshela over him or is this just a trade for a uh, an above average bench bat, uh, Brock? I'm I'm sure you've never heard of Gio Urshela, but um, yeah, it's 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 a puzzling pickup to me.
1: Yeah, um, I just want to say on the last thing. I don't know why I was talking about uh, Cody Bellinger like he was a
0: pitcher. Yes, I <laughs> um, noticed that, and I was gonna call you out.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely. I don't know what is up with my brain tonight. I guess it's been a long day, but I, I was speaking of him like he was a pitcher and I knew he wasn't, but, uh, yeah, what we said there, the Yankees would be a good spot for him To this. Yeah. No clue what you're talking about here.
0: No, it's fair enough. i uh, Gio Rochella is not a big deal. Um, so I don't blame you. Uh, you might've heard of the next guy we'd talk about, uh, blue Jays trading Teoscar Hernandez to the Mariners. This one's a big deal. Um, this Mariners outfield is going to look real good. Uh, you've already got Mitch Haniger, and you've got, you know, now the Rookie of the Year, Julio Rodriguez. You add Teoscar Hernandez, that is a strong hitting outfield. Obviously, uh, a couple of gloves out there, but, yeah, the hitting is ridiculously good. Um, you know anything about Teoscar Hernandez? No, not really. Fair enough. He's He's been very good in Toronto these past couple of years, a uh, pretty young guy. Um very strong bat. Um, and then because of uh, this trade for Teoscar Hernandez, the Mariners end up trading Kyle Lewis to the D backs. And um, Kyle Lewis is a former rookie of the year, Mickey Mouse rookie of the year uh, in 2020. But uh, yeah, he just hasn't produced. Um, he needed to go. Uh, he doesn't have a spot anymore. So uh, that one's not a huge deal. I, I don't think he'll really make much of an impact. I think the his rookie season was just kind of a flash in the pan, and you know it was only over a sixty-game season. Uh, we'll move on. Uh, this is a guy I know, you know, uh, Jock Peterson. He uh, accepts his qualifying offer and does return to the Giants. I, I think him. that's huge. Um, I think that's Giants uh, have a huge chance to be very good this year if the uh, the judge rumors are true and he ends up in San Fran.
1: Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be pretty crazy. I think that would uh, – I mean I don't know too much about baseball outside of the Atlanta Braves, but I mean they they had a good team this year and I think and, and the year before. So I think if Judge does end up there, they they will be uh, definitely a team to look out for uh, for World Series contention.
0: Yeah, for sure. As long as they can uh, bring back Rodon, they've got a good chance. Uh, the The starting pitching would would suffer without him. But uh, we'll move on to a starting pitcher that some people thought was going to leave. Uh, he ends up accepting his qualifying offer. That's Martin Perez or Martin Perez uh, returns to the Rangers. And it seems like the Rangers are tied to every single free agent out there. I, I still think they'll they'll probably just have a, a bit of a boring offseason. I, I don't think DeGrom's going to go there. Um, I, I, I don't see any of the other notable free agents going there. Uh, mainly because, you know, the next couple free agents or, you know, Judge, who I don't see going just because they've already got the outfield kind of addressed there. And then um, I don't see any of the middle infielders with Trey Turner, Correa, or Swanson going there just because they've got enough money tied up in Seager and Simeon. Uh, we'll move on to um, the segment that we started last week, Stake Your Claim. And uh I'm gonna go ahead and go first for this one. I, I just I wanna hear your reaction, but first let me do a little bit of explaining after I say this, alright? Mm-hmm. <laughs> alright. I'm staking the claim. And it's that this is not just a bad season for Alabama. This is the changing of the times. I I I think this is actually Alabama. It it's not that oh, you know, Saban loves the the rebuilding year uh, tactic at media day. But um, no, I, I genuinely think that this is just how we're seeing that the playing field is starting to get leveled out a little bit more. Um, you know, before NIL and before, you know, how big the transfer portal was, a team could just be good at recruiting and just continue to dominate everybody. And I think that that, that time has come to an end because, you know, you got teams like Ole Miss and you got teams like AM, where Ole Miss gets all the transfers, AM gets all the recruits, and the other schools are kind of left out to dry. And so I I genuinely believe that this is kind of the turning point for Alabama. But not just Alabama, but I think just for, for dominant teams, uh and, and college football dynasties as a whole. I think I think they're starting to come to an end.
1: I agree with that to an extent. I refuse to say this is the end of. This is not. Um, I know you're not saying this, but to clarify with people, he's not saying this is the last year of Nick Saban. No, you?
0: not at all. Not okay,
1: at I, all. Was so, yeah, I, I was hoping. I still think that Nick Saban
0: is. Uh, I said it last week, and a couple of people um, called me out for it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it. Nick Saban is every SEC coach's daddy.
1: Oh, 100. I think. I agree with what you said, but I think Nick Saban's got him one more championship than he retires in the next two years, I believe. And then with what you said, I think it is not the end of Alabama being great because what's going to happen is going to go off and hire another great coach, and they're going to keep having success, but they're not going to have the same success that they've been having because, like you said, especially now that like it's evening out again, finally the uh, like playing fields are even out again. You're not gonna have for a while. You're not just gonna have these teams that are freakishly dominant. That you know are just insanely good as much as you used to. Especially nowadays with the transfer portal, the NIL deal. You know, like you said, with all this stuff the changing landscape of college football, it is going to be very hard to. State to have a team that can just get everybody because yeah, and- there is just there's so much into it now than just recruiting to go somewhere then go to the next level
0: exactly and like if I'm if I'm like a, a, a five-star let's say you know not one of like the glamour position if I'm a five-star like defensive tackle why would I want to go to Tuscaloosa Alabama and you know, not have this opportunity to have the spotlight shined on me when I could go to even just like a lower-tier SEC team. Like, if you you go to Vandy, think about the NIL deals that are offered to you in Nashville, Tennessee versus Tuscaloosa, Alabama.
1: Well, think about the Vanderbilt alumni, too. If you can start getting people, you know, that are like, hell – why go and sit out, you know, four or five-star, even, you know, higher three-star rankings? They're, like, big-time recruits, you know. Why go, like you said, why go to Georgia, Alabama, and sit there for two to three years, not getting playing time, when I can go to Vanderbilt or Ole Miss or Kentucky or, you know, one of these other schools, especially one of these other schools that rebuild, get get playing time the first year. And, like you said, like, for Vanderbilt, not only did, are there amazing opportunities in Nashville for an NIL deal, mm-hmm. Vanderbilt has a very rich alumni association to my knowledge. Yeah, and they oh, – yeah. and, you know, you know those alumni. If they start getting – if those boys start going there, they'll start giving them the uh, money. Now, they'll get some, something set up for it. So I, I definitely agree with that. I think something we will see with all of this coming in of the NIL and. Uh, transform all that a lot more coaches are going to be staying for longer though i think that's something else we're going to start seeing
0: because
1: oh, I, like that. I, I i'm a, i am a very big fan of that i've said it before i love that because especially now with i especially in these early days of it you can't like for old miss right now lane kiffin is The entire reason they have this Grove Collective that is getting all the alumni that is their NIL uh, partners for all the players, or what there's something along those lines, you know, he's getting all this set up for them. And I mean, he's doing a great job here, don't get me wrong, but let's just say he goes six and six next year, they're not going to fire him because because there's so much they have invested in him beyond just football, you know, or, or beyond just what goes on on the field. You know, he has the, the getting recruits and all that is through him. So I think that is something we will see a lot more coaches getting long-term contracts and being at places much longer.
0: So now I want to hear your claim this week. What you got?
1: This is – I've been, I've been thinking on this all day. And I really wanted something just crazy and outrageous to make people mad and upset. And I think I came up with one.
0: All right. Let, let's hear it.
1: Brian Kelly – is gone from LSU within three years. Whoa. Uh,
0: All right. Yeah, please explain yourself because I I, I don't agree at the moment. Change my mind, please.
1: Well, there's so much that goes into it. It's also because I don't like him. But, yeah, he's getting these recruits. And, I mean, he's doing a hell of a job uh, right now. I mean, uh, I think I said earlier, if if I could rate his season right now, it would be – it would be an A-minus. I mean, he's doing an amazing job. But with that being said, three years may be a little too soon. I'll say four years. I don't think he's going to win a national championship, and he's getting a little older, and I think he's going to want to retire. So I think what he's going to do, a few years, I, he's going to do good. He's going to keep him up there. But I just cannot see him bringing a title home. And LSU, of course, is going to fire him for still, you know, having winning seasons. But I think they're going to just, you know, be like, hey, we want a younger guy to come in. We want a new guy to come in after a few years of him just going to some good bowl games. You know, you've been a great job for this amount of time. I think it's time we part ways with you and we go with somebody who's going to you know, win us a championship.
0: Yeah, I'm <laughs> – I'm still just blown away by that. I, I,
1: I don't, I don't see him leaving. I have that is <laughs> the boldest thing I have ever said in my entire life.
0: Yeah, that's wow. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening. I, I think Brian Kelly's got something going for him. He, he's done what he needs to in his first year. Uh, whether he, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure they're gonna lose the SEC championship, but the fact that they even made it. It is wild, you know, obviously. They've had some some great wins this season. He he's doing all that he needs right now for everybody to be like, "Oh shit, like Brian Kelly is a a great head coach." But I'll tell you what, recruiting is a little bit harder when you got to compete with the Sabins and the Fishers and, and even even Kiffin uh in your area as opposed to, you know, everybody in indiana probably wants to go to notre dame and uh, a lot of the guys in the midwest want to go to notre dame so uh, i'm interested to see how well he can recruit
1: yeah i'm very intrigued to see that um i don't know why i decided to be so bold for no reason at all
0: <laughs> hey i love it i i want i want there to be disagreements i just kind of want someone to like
1: prove i really want him to prove me wrong because i i, I do have a uh, Definitely, LSU is the only SEC team I have a soft spot for, because I I wanted to go there for a little bit, and so I always have a little little hope for them. I just don't. I just genuinely, I've we've seen him at that stage before. He's had great players before. He's had great teams before, and he cannot seal the deal. So I think we'll definitely have to see. And I think he. I think next year. Is going to be a real season for him because he's going to have to get a young quarterback in because I think Jalen Jones is good or not? God, that's not his name.
0: <laughs> Jaden Daniels, Daniel. sorry.
1: Uh, he he's going to the draft, isn't
0: he? Um, I'm pretty I, sure
1: he's a super senior.
0: Yes, I, I believe so. Yes, he uh, he transferred from Arizona.
1: Yeah, so he's going out of the way, and uh, so I want to see what he's going to be able to do with a young quarterback and a young team next year. I mean, he has a young team now, but like a young – basically a, a young guy in charge.
0: Yeah, and I'm pretty uh, sure Keyshawn Boutte is going to the draft as well. So he's going to lose his number one wide receiver. He's going to lose his quarterback. And, um, yeah, next year, even though it's only the second year uh, of Brian Kelly at LSU – I think it's a big prove-it year when it comes to recruitment. Obviously, uh, I'm not going to completely judge him off of what happens next year because if he does end up you know, recruiting a great freshman quarterback, I don't want to put that all on his shoulders. But um, you know, the next three years are going to be pivotal to the future of Brian Kelly. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't see him leaving. Uh, I I think he's a good enough head coach. I think he'll find his guys. I
1: think he is, but I, I'm very intrigued to see this now that like I made. The, I mean, he's 61 years old. I think I think we kind of forget like 61. I mean, it's not old, but four years he's 65. That's the retirement age. So we'll see. Hey, we'll we'll see what he wants to be doing, look, then if he decides look, to. Listen. Brian Kelly.
0: Brian Kelly is a football guy. He him and like like Nick Saban. Nick Saban is going to be Alabama's head coach until he croaks on the sideline when they like lose to Vanderbilt. (laughs) So I think it's the same for Brian Kelly. He's going to keep coaching and keep coaching, whether that's at LSU, maybe he goes uh, to a different power five conference. You know, we've never, this is the first time I've, I've seen him coach uh, at a power five school Uh, for as long as I can remember. He's been at Notre Dame. So, uh, it, it's interesting to see what he can do. Uh, I'd love to see him compete with uh, Kirby and and Nick uh, Nick Saban, and, and see you know who ends up on top when it's all said and done. Obviously, Nick Saban's the greatest coach of all time, but when it comes to um, you know the secondary parts of the SEC, which you know you can't even really consider Georgia a secondary part of the SEC, but you know Kirby's smart. Is still early in his head coaching career and he's already got the national championship. So, can Brian Kelly kind of make up for lost time and get something done in the next couple years?
1: Yeah, there's uh, one other coach that we kind of touched on. I really want to talk about, and I don't know if it's because I find the most joy in praying for his downfall, but that has to be the good old Jim Bull Bo-, Bo Fisher. He is officially after last week not able to go to a bowl game. He officially, the Texas A&M Aggies, cannot go to a bowl game now with the number one recruiting class, might I add, who was ranked preseason number three, cannot go to a bowl game. What does this do to Jimbo Fisher's recruiting class? There are many rumors right now of several of his players thinking about hitting transfer portal after this football season. Well, yeah, and I don't play. blame them.
0: <laughs> like they, they've been horrible. So, and obviously they have good players. They've had top recruiting classes the last couple of years. Obviously I had number one last year. Um, you got to give them time to develop, but at the same time, you know, you've already got guys there that have been there for you know two, three, four years with Jimbo. Why is nothing getting done?
1: How is it that we're in? The... Well, not now, but. You know, when he first got there, they're in the same situation. They've been there since he got, got him. He's only brought him to one New Year Six Bowl game. I mean, he's getting these top recruiting classes, and yet – and I believe he's been there for four seasons.
0: Yeah, I, I believe right? so. Um, I want to say he left Florida State yeah. after – 2018
1: was his first season at, Florida, at Texas yep. A&M.
0: Yep, so this so is fourth his fourth season, season.
1: He's made it to – I believe only one, one New Year's Six bowl game in this time at uh, Texas A&M. How? And that was, by the way, as you like to call it, the Mickey Mouse year.
0: Yes, Mickey Mouse.
1: How? You know that this is a very, very interesting way. I I would love to hear, uh, Texas A&M boosters right now what they're thinking about them.
0: Oh my God! Uh, I think they're thinking some horrible things that none of us could even imagine because of their <laughs> their cult they run over there. Uh, but I think that'll do it for uh, for Stake Your Claim uh, week two. I, I promise that I personally will not have a college football take next week. I, I will make sure of it because we've now done four college football takes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's going to do it for the whole episode. Uh, Brock, you got anything to add this week?
1: Uh... Oh well, that's next week. Uh, no, I, that's all I got for this weekend.
0: Okay, well, I, I do have one thing. Team USA better get their shit together because a draw against Wales is unacceptable.
1: Yeah, that really made me mad. We watched a before practice. We,
0: uh... hey, let, let's go, US. We're gonna we're gonna qualify for the knockout stages. Trust, dude. We beat. We've beaten.
1: We have beat England once. But we'll beat them again. That's all I yes. got to say.
0: Guess what? Hey, come come Friday, it's gonna be called soccer. Oh yeah. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for us. Um, I'm gonna say it every week. Uh, you can check us out on all of our socials. Uh, we've got TikTok at Second and Short Pod, and as in the word and, uh, and then Facebook, Second, and symbol Short, Twitter and Instagram at Second Short Pod, and uh, obviously, um, make sure you're leaving reviews on Apple. Um, and uh, following us uh, and adding to your library every week. But uh, we'll we'll catch you all next week after Rivalry Week. Hopefully we can see some interesting stuff. We'll see you all later.